1: And then, and then it was eerily quiet. And then my mind was kind of
2: like, you know, the head in the fishbowl.
1: But it takes me into the bathroom and says, "This is how you brush your teeth: brush, rinse, repeat. Brush, rinse, repeat. Brush, rinse, repeat." But there your girls, and it was like he'll have to give us a ride. He can't fill us though He can't
2: refuse. He'll let us in his car. The thoughts were all alone in the
3: this look right. They got close enough where he said he could see, you know, their eyes and how intelligent they seem. This doesn't look
1: right. These gremlin type creatures. This doesn't look right. No pupils, no iris. Three fingers, three long fingers. And this is when the mental
4: torture
2: ended. And then it was eerily quiet.
4: Welcome back to Conspiracy Normal, guys. It's been a very eventful week over here in Nashville. And uh, Rob, how you doing, buddy?
0: Um, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I I got a new haircut.
4: Yeah, you don't so have that's... hair anymore. I did, well, I, did, I still have hair. I just... All your brave locks have been sheared. <laughs> Alyssa cut all your locks off.
0: I know. You still love me?
4: I still love you, Rob. Okay, that's Absolutely. all that matters. <laughs> and Sergio, man, what's up?
2: Oh, uh, Not a whole lot, just uh, recovering from all the madness.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later after we, we speak to the guest. But uh, we are starting off tonight with the guest. I think this is something we're going to be doing from now on, uh, try to make the show a little more streamlined. And we have on a guest that I heard on the Project Archivist podcast and was intrigued by a lot of the things that he had to say about UFOs and about skepticism. And that's Eric Wojohowski. I think I got it right. <laughs> you got it right. That's right.
5: Yeah.
4: <laughs> Eric, welcome to Conspiracy Normal. Yeah, glad, to, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's awesome to have you, man. Um, you know, like I said, I heard you on that show. I know that you're good, pretty good friends with Rojan. And uh, you, you, I wanted to talk a little bit later on about that. Uh, I guess it was the biblical – <laughs> the conference, the biblical <laughs> conference that you got that yeah. that, that had up there in, in in Michigan that you went to, but I kind of want to just get get some background on you, okay. and how you kind of got into this the study of UFOs and later kind of how like you kind of were a believer and you and you later became a skeptic, which I think has pretty much happened to all of us here in this room yes. at one point or another.
5: Right. That I, I think that is how it starts. Um, it's, it starts with a mystery. All of this stuff starts with a mystery, and, and it usually starts when you're young. Um, it, that's a, where it started for me. I mean, when, when I hear somebody who didn't spend their youth on the pyramids and, and flying saucers and Bigfoot, I'm like, what did you do? What did you do when you were a kid? <laughs> mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but for me, it started off uh, with mainly my father. Uh, he was into this stuff. He had the Time of Life books, and he watched In Search of with Leonard Nimoy. And of course, I would sit there with him. Uh, and then when we'd go up north in northern Michigan for our vacations, he would be around the campfire with my uncle, grandfather, friends, and they would discuss these things. They discuss Eric von Daniken's Ancient Astronauts and the possibility that uh, the gods were spacemen. And that's where really where it started. It wasn't so much ufology; it was the Ancient Astronaut hypothesis that I was interested in. Was what if we were visited in the past? So now we get into me being a senior in high school and then in college – And I was studying psychology, and I started just getting interested in the mind and getting interested in things. And and I picked up a book uh, called The Curse of the Pharaohs in the library, which basically tried to claim that there was a real curse, and was it biological? Was it uranium, radiation, or something? Um, And it started from there because I got into Egypt and the pyramids, and a friend of mine who was into astronomy, he goes, you know there's pyramids on Mars, right? And uh, I said, no, I didn't. And I picked up Richard Hoagland's book, The Monuments of Mars. Are you guys familiar with that one? Yes, yes. Yeah, which claims that the face on Mars, the Pyramid of Cydonia, the whole so-called city and so forth.
2: Oh, yeah, those were some Uh, of the first art Art bell shows that I heard as a kid. and, And that got me started on a lot of these rabbit holes.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's where really where it started for me was, okay, well, was there a civilization that created the same thing on Mars, created on Egypt uh, here? And and maybe, you know, the myths and legends that we were reading were exaggerations of their visitation, which, of course, then led me to Eric von Däniken, uh, the king, <laughs> the one who kind of started it all with Chariot to the Gods, and then uh, Zacharias Hitchin, and that led to my very first article. Uh, on that. I can discuss that if you want to, or we could pause or...
2: Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I I actually did uh, check that out just uh, yesterday.
5: Okay. Um, what happened was, um, Zachariah Sitchin, he created this really grand ancient astronaut theory, which basically argued, his first book was The Twelfth Planet, came out in 1976, and he basically argued that the gods of ancient Sumer in Egypt were extraterrestrials from this planet, this uh, twelfth planet, if you count the sun and today's moon, a uh, twel- twelfth planet in our solar system called Nibiru. Uh, and which is always so far- heading towards Earth, Right. It's- Right, because it has this, I think, (laughs) 4,500 Earth-year, what do you call orbit around the sun, and it's way out there right now. So everything is always, it's coming, we just don't see it, right? (laughs) Um, And so he basically rewrote almost all of um, the ancient mythology to fit his theory. And this was, I was um, 19, 20, 21, and by the time I was about 23, I was working at Barnes and Noble bookstore, and uh, I remember saying, I think this. we need to take this out of the New Age section and put it in history, even if you don't <laughs> believe it. Really, I was 23 years old, and I was telling the guys this that I worked with, and I said, even if you don't believe it, it's really convincing. You need to read this. And uh, there was one guy there. I wish I remember his name. He worked there part-time, and he was an archaeologist, anthropologist, for Mesoamerica, Central America, and he worked on Mayan ruins. So, of course, he became my best friend. I had to get his ear and talk to him. And, of course, I was the biggest irritation because I was talking all this nonsense to him. And I brought him this little figure I had, which looks like an airplane. It's a little gold. You may have seen it on Ancient Aliens. I think it was on one of the first episodes. It's a <laughs> sculpture, it's a replica of a sculpture of a little a flying bug or bird, but ancient astronaut theorists say it's an airplane. Right. And I had a I have this replica and I showed it to him and he goes, Where did you get this? And he was mad about it. Because he saw it, too, that it looks like an airplane. And, of course, he did some digging for me. He said, no, I think this is a bug or a bird. And he's the one who actually encouraged me to just keep reading, Eric. Just, just Will you just keep reading? And don't be reading Von Daniken. Don't be reading Stitchum. <laughs> just, <laughs> just keep reading. Okay, so This is I your did. brain on Van Daniken and Stitchum. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I did. I took his advice, and he recommended books on the Mayan, which I still have. And um, I started reading this stuff, and I started saying, oh, wow, they're wrong. They're, half, they're They're doing half quotes. It looks like aliens tell you, quote, the whole darn thing. Well, look at that. So now flash forward to about 1996, 97. And I'm part of the Ancient Astronaut Society. I believe that group folded in 1998 when the founders retired. Gene Phillips, and I can't remember who else was part of that, but they retired. And I believe that's where... George Sukalas took over, who runs Ancient Aliens. Maybe maybe there's a gap there somewhere. I don't know. But that's where I stopped paying attention, because around that time, I had my name in the directory of the group, and I got a letter from somebody else in the group, the Ancient Astronaut Society, that said, why don't we form this study group to try to learn more about Sitchin's theories, uh, and we'll kick it around. Let's be a study group, a Sitchin study group. And let's kick around the top 10 or 12 most convincing things. Well, I thought about it for a week, and then I wrote the top 10 or 12 most convincing things he was wrong. And I wrote that letter, and I sent it to the group, and I didn't hear from them, except for one person who wrote back saying I was wrong and didn't have any good reason why. But as I was reading my own letter to the group, I said, if I tweak this, I'll bet Maybe Skeptical Inquirer will want this. So I did. I sent it to Skeptical Inquirer and I got rejected. And then I sent it to Michael Shermer over in Skeptic Magazine. And a few weeks later, I got a call and it was him on the phone and they took it. And that was my start. And I got published back in spring of 1997 or maybe 98. I can't remember. Okay. Maybe 97. So that's where that article started. So I've been sort of, I still read this stuff, but since that time, I don't think it's history. It does not belong in, on the history section uh, at all. But I still find it fascinating. Um, when it comes to UFOs, really, if you're into ancient astronauts, it's not a hard jump to bump to jump into UFOs. Right, and uh, that's the origins right there.
2: Did Did you read like all the all the Sitchin books? Yes, yeah. uh, I think we all
5: times. we all have that one friend. I had
2: one who was like yeah. obsessed and read. Yeah, it all I've only and...
4: read the first one. I, I've never read it went anywhere near any of the other ones.
5: <laughs> well, I will tell you, okay, if you like science fiction, Sitchin oh, yeah. he's he's up there with Dune and Star Wars. and oh, I mean.
2: oh wow, we could go <laughs> yeah. on and on about that. We'll save that for another show.
5: Yeah, but if you read, especially the third book, the Wars of Gods and Men, that is incredible. But it's not history. Right well do, okay,
4: is your problem with okay, like so Dr. Michael Heiser, are you familiar with him um, i am I've read, I've read his book, The Facade, yeah, I've okay. Gone through,
5: okay. okay, yep,
4: so I mean, he taught I mean he's very critical of Sitchin, but right. from like a very um scholastic academic point of view, you know the, you know this where he says that nothing that he says he translated, all his translations are actually wrong. Even to the point of saying that Sitchin just basically made everything up. So is right. your is your criticism of, of Sitchin from that, or more just like the the possibilities of any of this are just totally remote? Um,
5: his translations, he like I, like I was saying earlier, he he doesn't necessarily translate incorrectly unless you're going with the Anunnaki. But when he tries to translate something into space gods, if you take the entire quote, like from the pyramid texts, which he uses a lot. It's not talking about certain things that you think he's talking about. He'll make it look like you're leaving the planet in a spaceship to go to another planet. But when you actually read the text, it talks about the pharaoh um, leaving in a bark to to take off and to join the stars in the sky, Uh, basically because Ra was the king god and the king star. So he he selectively quotes like most or all ancient astronaut theorists so that it fits his version of what's going on. But with Sitchin include and this is the biggest problem I have with the ancient astronaut theory is where is the hard evidence? According to Sitchin this group of aliens that he calls the Anunnaki, claims the Sumerians call them Anunnaki, and it's actually Heiser who points out there is no Anunnaki in any Sumerian literature. That that word doesn't even exist. We're here from about 425,000 year, 425, years ago, and then they left, or at least we're still here around the time of Alexander the Great. So we're talking about 330 BC. So we're talking almost 400,000 years of occupying this planet. Now, if they have a space program for 400,000 years and they've only been gone for two, we'd know it. Yeah, we, we, we've only had a space program practically since the end of World War II. And we've got so much garbage in the air that we can barely launch satellites without crashing into each other. And things are, <laughs> things are falling out of space. The Chinese space satellite just came down a week or so ago. Um, you can see this stuff. Uh, if there were space bases and launch pads and rockets, where's all the debris? Where's all the... The evidence, quite frankly, all we've got is a few stone pyramids and some, some people talking about it, a mythological text. I don't buy it. So well, that's my main complaint with Sitchin. You know, show, show me the hard evidence. And and so an aside to that was prior to actually trying to publish the article, I decided I would give Sitchin a, a chance to correct me if I was wrong. And I sent him a copy of the article, and I said, here's what I'm going to start sending around to publish. Um could you tell me if I'm wrong? But I want to give you the benefit of the doubt. And uh, he wrote back a small, almost a three-by-five card. I was a bit um, <laughs> insulted. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> he gave you an and, index card, huh? Yeah, it was like from the Rolodex of Sitchin. And I do believe it actually said something like that. I still have the letter. <laughs> where, he, where he returned it. This was back in the late 90s. This was um, you know, before I was using email. So I literally sent him a hard copy. He sent me the hard copy back. And this little note, basically from the desk of Z. Sitchin, said, I'm returning this unread because I don't make a habit of writing un- or reading or commenting on unpublished material. I said, fine, let's go. Let's do it. And I ended up getting Michael Shermer, ended up picking it up, published it in Skeptic. I called Shermer after he gave me my courtesy copies to thank him for it. And it looked good. And the artwork looked good. And I told Shermer this story. And Shermer said, all right, send him a copy. <laughs> I didn't. I figured I'm not going to. Uh, but but Sitchin has never addressed it, as far as I know. I followed him for a number of years before he passed away, and uh, as far as I know, he never even admitted or acknowledged I wrote it. So, oh, wow, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, um, the, do you still the, have I the th- the uh, index card with the letterhead? I do. I've got the envelope and everything. Oh, I uh, kept, uh, uh, right. yeah, I totally would have kept that. That's awesome. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. It's like a small little rip. It, you know, it's like a note, a sticky notepad. I was like, "Oh, okay, whatever." <laughs> <laughs>
4: no, what I loved about Sitchin, one of the things, even even when I was kind of more on the ancient aliens kick myself, when I read the Twelfth Planet when I was probably nineteen, twenty years old. Was What I loved was, here's this spacefaring race, granted they're in our solar system, that is supposedly so advanced, but they're using rockets and technology that's like from the 1960s, right. basically, right. the way he describes it. And it just seems so
5: absurd to me. Right, exactly. And and that is, of course, my point. And it makes this, it worse for Sitchin and guys like that who would talk rocket technology. If you're talking rocket technology, you're probably talking a chemical form of engine. So there's going to be... Where Where is this on planet Earth? Where I mean, look at the space shuttle when it takes off. It's like a nuclear explosion. This thing is, is amazing. Where is all this stuff? Where's all the mining that went on? Where'd they get the petrol from? And if it wasn't petrol, what was it? I mean, nowadays, ancient astronaut theorists who try to propose that there's an anti-gravity thing, that looks a lot better for them because that would be less ruins and so forth <laughs> to have to leave behind but um, yeah chemical engines where is it where where is the burn marks or the the anything uh,
2: I, I definitely understand those advances they were you know they had they had that weakness for earth women and i, I think i understand it <laughs> uh,
5: yeah and, and and that's the thing it depends yeah whether or not you're going okay this leads to the conference that Roe and I attended about a month ago where we had biblical creationists that were bringing in the UFO phenomenon trying to explain what abductions were and mating and so forth. They were splicing genes. Uh, It depends on where you fall with this. Now, if you're an evolutionist like I am, this makes no sense. Two species developing on two different planets, the chances of evolutionarily coming, developing to the point where you could crossbreed are almost impossible. Think of trying to crossbreed a human with a tiger and making, not a liger, but whatever it is, you're just not going to be able to do that. Um, So imagine another species that doesn't share any of our DNA or history or our atmosphere or plant life, if there is any, emerging on a different planet and and then coming to visit us and then going, oh yeah, I want a piece of that. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm <going> <laughs> you know. well. Not Which only is.
0: not only that, but they probably don't have DNA. They would have something similar, but it wouldn't even be, you know, it, it would be something unique to their environment and their, you know, the growth on whatever planet they came from.
5: Sure, it, whatever, unless it's never, all like Star Trek, though. Whatever building blocks they're working with. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, and who's to say they're even a carb- carbon-based life form? Maybe they're phosphorus-based. They might they be would.
2: explain that as being that uh, that humans were actually genetically engineered to a certain point by them.
5: Yeah, um, uh, but well,
2: even then, we're not we're not that ge- we're not genetically different from other you know from like the 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 our primates cousins and whatnot.
5: Right, exactly. If we could actually do a um, – in fact, Tyler Coke, John, you may know the name, microbiologist, University of Arizona, he's done some work of um, alien abductees. And he's constantly saying, look, just, just do a DNA test. That's all we need to do to find out if there's anything in there that is not of this earth. And all these people who claim that they're half alien abducte or half alien and human hybrids and so forth – we could settle this real easy. We don't have to be doing hypnosis and fancy tricks. We could do real hard science with a blood test. That's all it would take. And generally, they don't want to do it. So the same thing with if you want to find out if we are so di- we, we if we're so different from our cousins, the chimpanzees, we're closest to like ninety eight point some percent same DNA. Um, we should find something in the DNA that's literally alien. And so far we don't. Everything is easily explainable by right. natural selection and evolution here on this planet. Again, I've heard the claim
4: but, for junk DNA, but I think people don't really understand what that means. But, well,
5: but, but that's another thing, too. Okay, junk DNA, all right? There's one thing to say, I don't know, and it's another thing to go, aliens, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, okay? yeah. Saying I don't know is something that a lot of people have to just, just do. Okay, there's junk DNA. There's stuff. I'm not a biologist, I'm not a microbiologist. I don't understand it either. But I'm going to go with the experts who do. And they say that there's nothing off-world here. I'm going to go, okay, and until there is and until you guys find it, I'm going to go about and do something else.
4: <laughs> you know, another question, what well, question I wanted to ask, that this is this is getting into a little bit about the book, although we're not, you know, it is a fiction book, so we're not going to talk about too much about it, but you had one question I wanted to ask you was the, you told me that you wrote that book for the UFO community.
5: What, what do I, you mean by that? I meant that the UFO community is going to like it. They're going to understand it. It's the same thing like the X-Files. The X-Files was written for the community that would like it. Um, you're going to use the same mythology that you grew up with, that you study, that you read, and you're going to look at it and go, Oh, I know that. I know that. I'm familiar with that. I like that. um, so I, so when you're writing anything, especially a book, you're, you're writing for a certain audience. Stephen King writes for a horror audience, you know, um, J.K. Rowling, a YA, a sorcerer, a witch and warlock and so forth. This book I wrote with the UFO community in mind. And if you're into ufology, I think you're going to like it. And so that's, that's – you know. but I also wrote it hoping that somebody who wasn't into ufology would like it. And so my first test reader was my wife who doesn't know anything about it. And uh, about a year ago I was watching the show Mirage Men I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that one A great documentary about uh, Paul Benowitz's affair and so forth Back in the 80s And uh, my wife looks at me and she goes You don't believe this, do you? <laughs> she was suddenly <something laughs> concerned for me <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I explained that, you know, that that this is kind of fascinating And whether you believe mm-hmm. it or not um, So yeah, I wrote it for that audience Well that's a very <laughs> eye-opening documentary yeah, it is. And um you know the, the the thing is that we already know that the intelligence community messes with people. And they don't just you do it through UFOs. We we've got, you know, studies uh, showing that they drugs, they they there were there were scientists in the MKUltra program that were they were drugging each other. They were putting the stuff in each other's coffee just for kicks to see what the other guy would do. So if they're going to do that to their colleagues, are going to do that to us. We got the uh, Tuskegee Airmen, where they um, they they injected with stuff. They're you know their own pilots in the military. So. I also have no problem with the idea and the fact that they they probably have. They've just let the UFO mythology of aliens and spacecraft get as crazy as it can because it's easy cover when they're fly testing. Oh, okay. yeah, it's oh, very Serve them well. Yep. Sure, it's easy. All you have to do is <laughs> you've got something new out there. You know, Phil Class. he always argued, they're never going to test this stuff over a populated area because it's classified. Okay, he's probably right. They're probably not going to. But if they decided to... You think anyone's going to care, <laughs> you know? Oh, I saw this big triangle and it had this beam of light and it blinked off in the, in the West. And then it blinked out, you know, back into the East, two miles away. Well, who you know, so what those, those reports come in dime a dozen, but do we really have something like that? I don't know. I don't know.
4: Right. What's your feelings on the latest stuff with Tom DeLonge and to the stars Academy and all this. This is is, a a can
5: of worms. (laughs) Okay, I'm still struggling with what to think of Tom because whereas – okay, I think Tom may very well be the new Paul Benowitz. And Paul Benowitz, for those who don't know, in the 1980s was messed with. I believe it was Kirtland Air Force Base. He lived outside of – and he saw some lights in the sky, and he thought – he started thinking that maybe – Oh, so he went to the airbase and said, "Guys, I think you got a problem." And this is where Richard Doty comes in, and right. some other guys came in, and they they messed with him. They let him think that they let him think that aliens are coming, and he's going to be part of the solution, and we're going to reveal this to the public someday, and you're going to help us with this. And they messed with his computer, and they,
4: he ended up in a mental hospital because of it. And as an aside, you know, Doty messed with Linda Bolton Howe, and he's still yeah. he's still out there messing with people. I have, oh, I, I have a friend that I think he's getting messed with by Dodie. He's, really? he's, yeah. uh, he's very leery about Dodie. Dodie just contacts him out of the blue and asking him
5: questions. Yeah, you see, Dodie was supposed to be this October at the Philadelphia UFO Fest um, uh, conference, and I was going to go. I was going to drive out there, and I was going to go just to meet with him. Um, but he's not on the website anymore. So I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to. But the thing is, a guy like that, I don't know if I want to meet him. <laughs> I mean, is he really? Well, how that could good? you trust anything that he says? Exactly. You, you probably couldn't trust anything that he says. But he, uh, so coming back to Tom DeLong, is, is he the new Paul Benowitz? I don't know. I mean, unlike Benowitz, who he was a successful businessman, but this is not a Tom DeLong successful businessman. Tom right. DeLong. whatever you think of Blink One Eighty Two, I like the music. You know, Um, back in the '90s, I have several of the albums and so forth. He's got the money. This this can't be about money. So what is it? What is it? Well, it could be. I think it could only be two things at this point. Maybe three. The the first and, and the most charitable one would be that he really does believe this and everybody else he works with believes this too and he thinks he's got insider information but all he's got is the same stuff you and i are working with he even admitted when he was on the um joe rogan show that he knows his stuff he knows his stuff because he's the same books that we've read um read um but he claims he's also got insider people who know this stuff but he's working with hal putoff He was part of the Pentagon's uh, program. Um, He's working with Luis Alessandro now, who claimed to run the UFO Pentagon program that that was just shut down in 2012, allegedly. That seems to be more of a hobby than a real program. Um, So do they really believe what they're doing? I don't know. The second possibility is that they are being messed with. He is the new Paul Benowitz. For what purpose, we don't know. Did he stumble upon something and they decided to mess with him and throw him off track? I don't know. That's something that history might tell us. And um, the third possibility, and I hate to say this about anybody, um, is that he might just he might just simply be a pathological liar. And there are people that, despite no matter how how uh, popular they are, no matter how how much they've achieved in their lives, they just got to be bigger. They got to know stuff that other people don't know, and they just got to play that game, and they may not even be aware of it. I think Dr. Stephen Greer is that way. Yeah. I'm, pre- I, I'm pretty sure that that's his case. Who has blocked me on Twitter, so I can't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we were,
4: I was reading your article, uh, Surfiel <laughs> sent to me that uh, Becom- about, you talked becoming about coming
2: fantastic.
5: And- yeah, exactly. Oh, that was um, really cool. Yeah, thanks. I, I, that article was a personal uh, quest. Um, how could a guy like Stephen Gray do that? How could a guy like Philip Corso do that, or Robert Dean, or anybody who's really impressive? In my opinion, he got an impressive career. Now, why would you go and say these things? Well, the only conclusion I can come up with is either you really believe it, and hopefully you're harmless in those beliefs, because we don't want you going Heaven's Gate on us, <laughs> or you're a pathological liar. That's the only conclusion I got, and Bob Dean is no longer in the UFO community and Philip Corsos passed away. And um Greer blocked me on Twitter. So I can't talk to any of them.
4: <laughs> well, have you have you followed the whole Larry Warren issue uh, that's going on right now? Are tell me you, about that. Well, Larry Warren is the guy that wrote well he, well Peter Robbins co wrote the book with him, Left at East Gate, right? About the Rendlesham Forest incident. Okay, of which, with, I uh, read that book. Yeah. of which there was always this debate on whether Warren was there. I mean, Riddlestrom is kind of, it's a cluster, man. I mean, there's so many people saying so many different things about it. And you have what Colonel Halt said, well, Warren was never there. And they defended themselves writing this book back in the late 90s. Yeah. And then Larry Warren started to put out weird pictures of himself with John Lennon saying that this was taken right before he died, which Warren would have been about 18, 19 years old, and he looks 40 in the photograph, and okay. it's all Xerox copied. Uh, it's pretty much to the point now where they have found out that Peter Robbins said that he was done with Larry because Larry had, he could not substantiate any of the claims that were in the book.
0: Yeah, He, he felt he needed to separate himself from it, even though it's been yeah. something he worked Super hard and really long on because he lost yeah. faith in the project. So,
4: so he's pulled Left at East Gate, or the he requested the publisher pull Left at East Gate from
5: publication, and they have wow. now. So, yeah, I'm familiar with the book. I have not read the book. I'm familiar with the case, just the outline. I can't tell you details. Um, but I, but it doesn't really surprise me to hear something like that because there are a lot of people that seem to come into ufology or something, and they might come in with some basics and sound reasonable and rational and then as soon as they i don't know get really deep into it all of a sudden they take on this other stuff like ufology isn't just other than stanton friedman most most ufologists don't stick with nuts and bolts et hypothesis anymore eventually they start bringing in things like esp and possible telepathy and psychics and stuff like that and now we got astrology we're talking about maybe they're interdimensional travelers like it keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder so it wouldn't be surprising that, especially like like I said regarding Richard Gere and so forth. Not Richard Gear, uh, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, right, Stephen Greer uh, and so forth. Is that the longer he's in it, maybe he's just starting to believe this stuff. Right. Maybe he's not really a liar so much. Maybe his brain's just. This is all he's thinking about. I don't know. I that's, don't know how that's kind of how I
4: feel about the whole Larry Warren situation. Because I do believe the man has a certain amount of PTSD and having been around someone for a good percentage of my life that had that i can say that they do become compulsive liars and they do start to believe their own bs and i can yeah. i can definitely see where yeah
5: he started to believe his own bs basically yeah and and the um the problem is the people who follow them now, you know, yeah. and and then you could end up with a heaven's gate. This is where bad beliefs suddenly are no longer entertaining and fun. This is where real lives end up on the line. Mm-hmm. So so you know, um, it, it's just it's a fine line with anything. But it seems like like with UFOs, you know, like I said, I don't know if anybody who's really they start with nuts and bolts, and then eventually, if you stay a believer, you're bringing in all these other things to try to explain it. And the problem is, is that you're just piling on so many unknowns that you've just explained nothing. You know, so. Well,
4: I mean, I I don't consider myself a nuts and bolts person. I'm I'm much more that kind of interdimensional kind of thing. I think there's I think there's it's not nuts and bolts. I'm I'm definitely that guy in my own personal opinion about this. But Mm. I I just don't you know I I think the nuts and bolts the extraterrestrial hypothesis just keeps taking hits constantly. You're right.
5: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like I said, Stanton Friedman may be the only one who seems to still be holding on to that, and he's retiring this year.
4: So, case in point is this story that I was always hearing about Jackie Gleason being shown a <laughs> dead alien body by Richard Nixon. Right. Well, I, and I was like, that's got back in the day, I was like, man, that's got to be proof. You know, Jackie Gleason <laughs> yeah, wouldn't lie. That's, and that's right. It, but you know where that story comes from, apparently? It comes from Larry Warren. Oh, okay. So it's
5: like okay. one more chink in the armor just keeps, yeah. you know, it
4: just keeps getting weaker and weaker.
5: Yeah, I, I'm not sure if one of the reasons why the nuts and bolts ET hypothesis is failing uh, is be- – I think it's failing because there's just no proof, despite Stan, who has given the same speech for 10 years now or whatever. Yeah, um, the intergalactic that, Watergate. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, right, right. The um, Oh, God, he. he Yes, he says something like Cosmic Watergate. Yeah, Cosmic That's Watergate, yeah. Cosmic Watergate. Um, but everybody else has moved on, as you were saying, possibly interdimensional, possibly this, possibly that. I've even seen Bigfoot thrown in, that maybe Bigfoot is an alien and he's an interdimensional being. It's almost like we don't have any proof, we got an extra, we got an intelligence. <laughs> so what we're going to have to do is figure out why we don't have proof of this intelligence. And so maybe it's because it's so out there and so difficult. The, the question that I need for me is first of all, we have to demonstrate that there is another intelligence and then we can start putting properties on it. It's like the question of God. We have to prove that there's a God. Then we can start talking about whether he's good or evil or whether he cares about us or doesn't. So the same thing with aliens or or we should say with UFOs and the the occupants, if there are occupants is, is this, a, is this our imagination? Is this misidentified aircraft? Is this balloons and Chinese lanterns and hoaxes? Or is there really another intelligence there? It almost seems like that needs to be settled first before we can start putting properties of where it comes from on it. Well, I, so. I,
4: I think you keyed into something perfectly in your book is the power yeah. of belief. Yes, that's and true. All this stuff, it is not science. It's just beliefs. It's just what people believe like, I have my own set of
5: beliefs about what it is. Can I really prove it? Not really. Well, that's right. Yeah. Um, it's Bigfoot, uh, ESP, and so forth. Anything that's unproved. I got my own theory about what could be going I, – I enclosed it in my book at the very end when the character gives sort of this description of what he thinks going on. It could be that. The problem, there's no proof of it. I think where I got uh, that idea from was from another book um having to do with artificial intelligence and i thought to myself if there is any space travel and we're starting to think about this now today in the real world if there's any space travel going to go on us carbon uh, carbon based life forms probably aren't going to be part of that because it just takes too long it takes too long to go to other planets that would be like earth and so forth what's going to do most of the traveling probably is going to be an artificial intelligence because they can handle the coldest space. In fact, they might even dwell better there because their hot CPUs would do great. They don't need food. They don't need oxygen. If they could self-replicate, they could latch onto an asteroid or uh, something out there. They could mine the materials. They could rebuild. They could. They could live forever, basically, out there in the coldest parts of space. Um, that's what I played with in 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 this book, yeah. as well as what I think cuz if you take a look at the possibility that these these craft actually have pilots will these these pilots people have been running into there's like hundreds of different kinds Okay, so if there is another intelligence coming here, whether it be from outer space or interdimensional travelers, are we prepared to accept one species or hundreds of species? Because if you're going to accept hundreds, every time you accept more than one, the probability seems to go down, I would think. Right. Sort of like like if you're out there Bigfoot hunting – And people have seen, or there's reports, of 20 different humanoid creatures from one foot tall to 20 feet tall. Is it more logical to conclude that there are 20 different types of humanoids that we have no proof of? Or that there might be one, and there's just different stories based on the psychology of the person that ran into it? Or perhaps it's all mistaken identity.
2: Yeah, what you're Uh, saying as far as, I, I see all this phenomenon is now really coalescing around psych a psychological phenomenon that might be the same psychological phenomenon and then that goes from you know purely materialist to you know your 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 definition of psychology into the more spiritual realms so it's kind of you know that that whole uh continuum
5: yeah i i think that one of the best books that i ever read that it suddenly clicks like a light bulb went off, and I said, "I think I understand the alien abduction phenomenon. I think I understand the stories from religion of people meeting gods and uh, heroes of old." And it's this book by um, I'm going to say the name wrong. It's uh, Merce Iliad. Could be Mercia, Iliada. He was a um, he studied religion. It's the book called Shamanism. And if you study shamanism, Mm -hmm. you'll find out that what shamans have been doing since the beginning of time to the present is they're creating their own experiences that when they describe them, they sound just like the meetings of alien abductees, contactees. Right. People who met with gods. And it's clearly – you're sitting there around the camp. I'm not. I've never experienced it. But the people, the anthropologists who have recorded these things, they're sitting there right in front of the guy, and they see he's not leaving. He's not boarding a craft at all. He's not disappearing into some other dimension. He's sitting there in his own head. He comes out of this dreamlike state half hour or an hour later, and he tells the story of where he went. Well, everybody there saw he didn't go anywhere, but he believes he did. He went to the spirit world. He went to the second heaven. He went to the seventh heaven or whatever. Um, Nowadays, I think that the alien abduction phenomena is just simply a space age version of that. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. so, So we know that we're dealing with psychology where we get a little bit weird. So when it comes to alien abductees, I think we could chalk it up with psychology. Where it gets a little bit weird and psychology may not answer at all is when I hear a story like this somebody tells me that they were driving down a road and they were by themselves and it was late at night and there was nobody else around. And they saw a light in the field. And as they approached it, they got closer and they saw that several hundred feet away in the field was this craft and it was about 30 feet in diameter with lights going all around it, blinking. And down below it were these three creatures about two feet high wearing yellow overalls and they were digging (laughs) things out of the ground. And they were putting things in these buckets and tubes and canisters and I couldn't believe my eyes. And I got out of the car and I saw this thing. And they looked at me and they seemed to get scared and they ran up this ladder into their ship and that took off and lightspeed and disappeared into the clouds and I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> that's a real story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, now, I've what is it, that? Yeah. yeah, so what is that? Okay, is, 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 is it's too easy
4: to just say the guy made it up. Or the Italian guys that came down from space and asked for water and give the guy pancakes. You know, that's another one. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, what do we do with
5: that? One of my favorite stories are the stories of anchors getting caught in church doors from the uh, 1600s. And during the, um, I I can't remember where it was in Europe somewhere, but um, these people in church they claimed that they heard clattering outside. They they went out of the service and they went outside and they saw an anchor stuck in the church door, and they looked up the rope and the rope was going all the way to the sky and in the sky was this airship, and these guys on the ship were yanking the rope trying to get it dislodged, and they finally couldn't do it and one guy jumped from the ship and. Swam through the air as if swimming through water down, got the anchor, tried to get it loose, but apparently drowned as if he was in water. So the, the other sailors, or whatever you want to call them, up on top of the ship, they cut the rope, they did away with the anchor, and they flew away. And the interesting thing about that story is that the townspeople buried the body. I want to see that. <laughs> do we know where that was? Do we have any records of where that is? Jacques Valet has that in his uh, Wonders in the Sky book. But I've read that in other, other things too. So what do we do with stories like that? This isn't just one person in their own head. This is a group of people who claim to have seen this. I don't know what to do with stuff like that. And It's one of the reasons why I
4: keep reading this stuff. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating and it's entertaining as hell. It's, yeah. The, the so, high strangeness stuff. Is what to me is, well, one of the things. The shamanism aspect would be another, Mm. but it's one of the aspects of this that makes me think that we're not dealing with extraterrestrials. (laughs) Yeah, we're dealing with something that is a mixture of possibly some outside force, but with a lot that's going on with the human mind. You know, Greg Bishop talks about his co creation uh,
5: theory. Yeah. It's an interesting theory. Is it provable? I don't know. Like I said, we have to almost prove that there's another intelligence before we can then start putting properties on it. I don't think that we're there yet. For me, I'm the type of guy that says, like when it comes to Bigfoot or aliens, show me the body. I can read all the stories that are out there, and I do enjoy them, obviously. I wrote my own. (laughs) I wrote a whole novel (laughs) on a story Uh, because I wanted to do something with this field. But as far as changing my life and telling my kids – like, like, what is real? And I'm not going to be doing that. I'm not going to be like, oh, and by the way, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I have a great day at school, and you know, don't get a abducted. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, you know, there's certain things that like, like people who are, don't care about UFOs or the X Files, and they just don't have an interest in science fiction. I'd like to know: have any of those people ever had this experience, or, or would they chalk it up to something else? You know, like sleep paralysis prior to the alien theory, people woke up thinking demons or witches were sitting on their chest. yeah, so it's the same thing. It's just Joseph Campbell said it very well that um, we're going to create a space age mythology, kind of no matter what we think, we're probably going to. I think that the UFOs at least the interpretation of it is a um is a space age mythology. and going back to the the guy who saw the soil sample aliens. Is it if it's not a hoax and he's not mentally ill, could it be an intelligence community something or other? Who knows what they were yeah. doing with that?
2: I thought that was really cool how uh you know how open you are to that angle um most you know most skeptics are kind of closed closed off in my experience to that kind of not necessarily conspiracy but just like historical fact like you mentioned m k ultra and stuff like that. I mean you know if they were doing that back then, who knows what's going yeah. on now
5: we already know that to do that, <laughs> you Absolutely. know, the documents are already out there. Um, Uh, John Greenwald of the Black Vault has numerous, more than you could read in a lifetime. That's what he does. He collects these things. So we already know, and we know from the Robertson panel, with the CIA sponsored Robertson panel of 1953 when they studied UFOs, they came to a couple conclusions. And the first was there was no national security threat from what was going on. Um, But the other one was that we should monitor these groups and see what they're doing. And uh, one of the things we do know is the FBI did kind of get together and check out some of these groups. One in Detroit in fact, uh, they got the, they checked into these groups because a lot of UFO groups, especially the more cultish groups, they're more communist in nature or I should say socialist and sharing mm-hmm. as opposed to a capitalist mentality. And they were concerned that these groups were sort of being infiltrated by the communists. So they were spying on them just to make sure that they weren't a communist threat.
4: Yeah, there's what else a – yeah, the, Aaron Gullius talks about that in one of his podcasts. Um. The, the
5: saucer life. He talks about that. The FBI being yeah, yeah, interested he in that Detroit group. Yeah, that's right. That's well, right. So, what you know, what else are they messing? You know, what else are they doing to us on a regular basis? Could there be anything else that they're doing? And, that, you know,
2: could I
4: don't know. We had that weird mistake that happened last week that somebody got mailed some kind of mind <laughs> control diagram or some weird stuff well, like
5: that. Was it? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <I> mean, right. <laughs> I mean uh, MJ12 uh, you know MJ12 uh, for the record I think it's a hoax it's an incredible hoax mm-hmm. yeah, Richard Dolan will say even if it was a gra- even if it's a hoax the fact is whoever pulled it off they must have known something there must be a kernel of the truth because the documents are like when they're printed off they're like 3 inches thick well j- that doesn't say anything to me because if you're familiar with this book called the Urantia book it's oh, yeah. 2000 pages 2,000 pages of supposedly an alternate history of Earth. And two people wrote it.
2: My grandpa tried well, to give it to me a few times already.
5: My grandpa gave me his. I still have it. <laughs> there we go. Yes, I do. Um, but we also know that one guy by the name of Stephen King writes books that are that long. Just one. And he does that like twice a year. <clears throat> so just because we have this document that looks pretty good and it's several thousand pages long it doesn't doesn't impress me. Good writers can do that. Uh, so um, – that's the so when a document shows up like that my question is always like okay was this really a mistake how often does the government ever just give you a do- most of the time they they just lazy and they claim they couldn't find anything how many times do they actually find what you want and then say okay let's just put this extra bit in there right. I don't know but what's the purpose of that you know Jack Brewer is is actually got that up on his blog. He's been looking into that. I don't know what, if he's going to be able to conclude anything, but yeah, he is. Uh, he, he did post that. I read that a few days ago. So let's. Uh, I want to talk about the, on
4: the keep on the alien abduction uh, kick here. Um, sure. Let's talk about some individual cases, mm. and of course, someone we've had on our show, uh, Travis
5: Walton. What's your thoughts on uh, that? I don't believe him. I don't. I think his case is a hoax. What he believes now, don't know, because we could be getting into that. You've told the story so much that now you do believe it. Um, I I just, I don't believe him. I, I really don't. Have we ever had a case of his that is like it since where a guy disappears for four days? You know, I mean, of course, that could be that maybe his case is because it's so original. It's a real one. But once again, all we've got is stories. And we also have, as far as I'm aware, a National Enquirer payoff of $10,000 for having the best UFO story that these guys got. Beating a lie detector test doesn't impress me. People do it all the time. There's some simple tricks for it. So Fire in the Sky, good movie. But, it's, you know, Travis Walton, I, I just I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Once again, show me the body. People can tell me stories all day. Same goes with Bob Lazar without an Area 51. What what's that, it.
4: What do you think? Why do you
5: think that uh, – do why don't you buy it? Like what would be a Travis good Walton? reason? Yeah. Uh, financial gain? He's, he's clearly still making money on it. He shows up at UFO conferences. Um, Fire in the Sky, the movie. Um, I As I said, as far as I'm aware, National Enquirer had a um, a prize, best UFO sighting, best UFO story, $10,000. They got it. You know, but do
4: you think that they pulled it off to specifically do that, or did something else happen and then that all kind of fell in line later? Mm-hmm.
5: I'm gonna have to say I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, I, I, it's possible. You know. I mean, because I know what class said, and there's, you know, I've, I've heard some yeah. bad
4: things about class in, sure. in relation to that. That he tried to bribe one of the guys to say that it didn't, didn't happen. Um. I've heard that b- before too, but I don't, you know, I don't hear much like a differing opinion on it. So that's kind of, one of why I wanted to ask you about it.
5: Yeah. Well, once again, um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and simply just say, I don't know. Yeah. I, if I have to, if I'm cornering the wall and you say, give me what you think, I'm going to say, I think you're lying. Um, Why you're lying, there was a financial motivation, but I can't prove that that's why you did it. Um, But people tell stories all the time. Let's go back to, you know, Stephen Greer and so forth. Why would you do this? (laughs) You know, are you a pathological liar for financial gain? Do you just want some notoriety? Do you, you know, Tom DeLong? you're a rock star, man. You got millions. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Don't know. I don't know. But again, without the hard evidence, without the proof— I'm going to just have to say, I'm going to wait on it. You have to provide it. You're the one who brought the claim. you got to bring the proofs. By
4: the way, Eric, uh, something special tonight. Uh, we, we have the return of Luke. Luke has made a rare guest ex- appearance Yay. with us today. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't exactly
5: call it special, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have Luke on the line then? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Woo. <Whoa. laughs>
4: He he has his fans out there that demand his presence every now and, yeah, and then. Yeah,
3: like three of them. Awesome.
4: He he gets more Facebook requests out of this than I do, and he's he doesn't even come to the show anymore.
3: And all of my friends
5: from Conspiral are just metalheads.
4: That's true. They want to talk about
5: metal with you. Okay. I saw some some posts about that metal uh, something going on there, but hey. Uh Betty and Barney Hill. Um. Hmm. I don't think they're lying. I think that they are products of hypnosis and suggestion. Uh, I understand Betty Hill uh, was already into UFOs, despite the to the contrary. And Barney, he underwent hypnosis and just sort of, kind of, just went with it. When you're, when when you go through hypnosis, in my opinion, your story is no longer valid yeah, because if you take if you take if you put somebody in a suggestive state, and you want to get to the truth, that's just stupid. <laughs> it just makes no sense to me. Even Sigmund Freud gave up hypnosis because he realized it didn't work. And 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 so whatever really happened is lost to history. And in my opinion, that case is over. There's nothing else that we can learn from that case. So uh, you know, I mean, if you, it, this is why I think that some people, I think his name is Mike McClellan. He's got the Owl book out. Mike McClellan. Yeah, he was our last guest <laughs> <Yeah>. actually. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't read it. I want to read it, but I haven't read it. It's on my list. His story is interesting to me because he has not undergone hypnosis. And the people who haven't undergone hypnosis are the people I'd rather hear from. Because once you do, and you come out of it, your story is now tainted. It's over. It's like a person who's...
4: Go ahead. He says that he has had hypnosis, but he got nothing out of it. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even remember what he even said. It, It really wasn't effective. But everything yeah, but, that he remembers is from not from a hypnosis session
5: right, and that 's yeah. what 's impressive is that he kind of had his story before hypnosis as opposed to somebody who had this vague memory of i can 't sleep very well and i 've got a scoop mark now we 're going to go through hypnosis, and now we've got a full blown duin story mm-hmm. you know um, it 's sort of like when uh, when the police arrest a guy, and it turns out he 's totally innocent, but two hours of interrogation or perhaps twelve hours of interrogation he 's got a written confession he committed the murder that guy's memory is screwed. It's, it's over. Yeah. Kind of like the West
4: Memphis three and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. yeah.
5: So the same thing, once you undergo some kind of traumatic stress, and I'm not talking about the abduction or what led to you thinking that I'm talking about an interrogation or a uh, hypnosis session, your memory of that event, your story, I'm sorry to say is no longer something that I can study because we have just mixed fantasy with, with reality. And um, what really happened to Barney and Betty Hill, uh, Lost to history. That's my opinion. Yeah, that. I think they might have been
4: messed with. Uh, could have been. I, you know, I don't, it's only circumstantial evidence that I have to prove it, but I think that there's, to me, I'm like 75% sure that they might have been messed with. And if they were messed with, who were they messed with?
5: Um, could it have been, did they stumble across an intelligence community thing late at night out where they thought that nobody would be, and here they are, so it's like, oh, yeah. we gotta do something? Or. I, I, I think what happened was that
4: they were a mixed-race couple in the early 60s. They were civil rights workers. Um, COINTELPRO was known to go after those people that they considered radical elements. So that uh, might have made them a target.
5: Possible. Um, and I'm not familiar with this, so my next question would be like, if they did do that, the purpose would possibly be to what? So discord, so that nobody would listen to them anymore, or they would lose credibility. But I don't think that happened. So did it work, or is it a possible failed experiment, or is it possible it's that kept none the of the UFO stuff? train going? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I, but it's possible that nothing happened to them at all. They simply arrived – as far as I know, they simply arrived at their destination late and tried to figure out why. And that's the story. That's the origin of it. Yeah. And the next thing you know, they're going through uh, uh, hypnosis, and they come up with a reason why. Well, That could have been where they were messed with. Could have been. Yeah. What was the ex- psychologist's name? The psychologist who did the hypnosis never believed they were abducted, despite their right. stories. And I can't right. remember his name. But. Right. The author of the book, there's some interesting things
4: about him, too. Um, but I'll leave that for, I've already talked about that other episodes, but, uh, disclosure. Yeah. Since we're on the kind of the, you know, the title of your book, chasing disclosure, which is actually kind of cool because it's like a book within a book in a way. I like how you did that. (laughs) Thank Um, you. The, this whole movement for disclosure, Mm -hmm. you hear about it all the time. And this has been a big thing with the Tom DeLonge people now too what is this desire to have this disclosure and 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 it's i have made the point too that disclosure is almost like biblical prophecy they're always <laughs> saying it's going to happen and it never does
5: oh yeah the rapture uh the world was supposed to end i think in fact according to one group i think the christian group the world was supposed to end today it did not oh they, they postponed <laughs> it to the fall it's always in october around halloween <laughs> Yeah. Um, Give it okay, another so what, six
4: months. Sweep it under the sure, rug. Sure. Yeah. Sure.
5: What What do I personally think about disclosure? Um, there's nothing to disclose. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe if you read the government documents, despite what Richard Dolan will say and some other people will say, Dolan thinks that there are people there that know, and they're not saying anything. When I read the same documents, I'm getting confusion. I'm getting these guys throwing – like these, this general and this admiral and J. Edgar Hoover throwing these letters going, what is that? the hell is going on? What is this? What, what just buzzed us? What, what flew over that airbase? Was that anything I need to be worried about? Uh, do you guys know what that was? They are just as confused as you and me. So, So I don't think there's anything to disclose, not to mention the fact that how many people really work for Lockheed and Boeing – And have worked at Area 51. I'll tell you a little Area 51 story shortly. Um, And how many people have worked on this stuff? And yet no one's talking. Secondly, WikiLeaks. We live in WikiLeaks generation. We live in, in the generation of Edward Snowden. And yet despite all of this, nothing. Despite John Greenwald trying his damnedest at the Black Vault. Nothing. We have absolutely nothing that's concrete that says These guys, there's some group in government, knows any more than you and I are Tom DeLong. On
2: the biggest biggest story in the history of the world, pretty much.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I just – I don't buy it. Um, Again, show me the body. All the documents that I've read, government documents, are these guys throwing their hands up going, what the hell is going on? (laughs) And except for a few memos, like the Twining memo is real interesting, where General Twining basically replied to another general and said flying saucers are real and these things can maneuver like crazy and so forth. And people have said, aha, there's proof. He just said it. I don't think so. I think that when Twining wrote the memo... He was recording his findings at the time. Unfortunately, he's not alive anymore, but I was always, my next project I'd like to get into is everything I can find on Twining, perhaps interviewing family members that are surviving today, uh, people that knew him, to find out towards the end of his life if anybody asked him, and what did he really think? Because a lot of times people think those things. This is what it is, and that's what it is, and then years later they come to the conclusion I was wrong. Did he ever feel he was wrong about that? All we've got is initial finding. We don't have a anything from the future you know what i mean yeah <laughs> nothing so, else is uh, written yeah 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 i mean he ended up going on to be i believe part of the chief of staff and so forth so he ended up promoting so it's not like they thought he was crazy or anything but towards the end of his life did anyone ever ask him hey you wrote this in i don't know what was it 40 48 maybe later 49 now it's 1950 something we're in korea and vietnam's around the corner what do you think now you know i i don't know but I always thought that would be that would be an interesting project to find out a little bit more about twining. But otherwise, every other memo that I've looked at are these guys throwing their hands up just as confused as the rest of us. And so I don't think there's anything to disclose. <laughs> not to mention, not to mention the fact that let's look at it this way: government programs. Um, do they ever really work out the way they're supposed to? I mean, <laughs> so the greatest secret in history, talking to extraterrestrials, is suddenly the most airtight thing we've ever <laughs> we've, we've ever managed to get right, despite decades of employees coming and going. You know, we've already got the whistle blown on Area 51. Annie Jacobsen's written an entire book talking to people who have no problem discussing what they did at Area 51, and unless we're going to get really conspiratorial and say, yeah, but she didn't talk to the right people well, now we're just begging and doing special pleading for evidence that just isn't there. She did so, talk to Bob Lazar. <laughs> <laughs> well, she also talked to this one guy who didn't want to be named, who said the Roswell crash was, if I remember correctly, it was German technology from the Hortons brothers, Flying Wing, uh, that, they, that Stalin purposely crash-landed it with some mutants and did it to show us what he was capable of. And when I read that in Jacobson's book, I was like, Annie, what? I was <laughs> like, you've just got this great history book, and now you end it with the weirdest speculation I've ever read in my life? Uh-huh. And she's since gone on to, with interviews that simply said she included it for the sake of um, uh, completeness or something like that. And it is an interesting story, but um, it's just one, one older guy that was willing to tell her a story. You yeah, know? kind of nope.
4: knowing how incompetent the Soviet Union could be, there's, <laughs> yeah. that, that just doesn't wash with me. It could have been ours,
5: but – It certainly could have been. It's possible it wasn't Project Mogul. Um, was it extraterrestrial or interdimensional or, or anything other than from us? No, I, I'm pretty sure that Roswell was something to do with us.
4: It was Jack but, Parsons L. Ron Hubbard conjuring that shit
5: up. That's what it was. But, but one more thing about government disclosure. We are currently in the United States. We have a president who loves his Twitter, and he doesn't seem to have a filter. Is there anybody who's going to be the disclosure president if it ain't Trump? (laughs) Trump would would want to be. (laughs) Absolutely. If if the director of the CIA or somebody, you know, a man in black suddenly came over and said, all right, listen, this is what's going on. And here's the photographs and the video and did a Jackie Gleason, Richard Nixon thing and took him out to uh, Hangar 18 or whatever and presented this stuff. What do you think Trump would do? You know what he'd do. He'd be, on the, he'd be, he'd be, be tweeting right away. I've <laughs> oh, just God, yes. seen the aliens. It's Big It's for real. Right. It was going to be was, huge. Yes. It was, it, huge. It was a Big saucer, and uh, we had a great conversation, and it's too bad the fake news media is sad. You know, And they like <laughs> strawberry ice cream. <laughs> right. We've yeah.
2: got the technology. Yeah.
5: So, uh, yeah, fr- from – from Bob Lazar to Travis Walton to government disclosure. Okay, just show me the bodies. You know, if, if we can't do that, then it's all talk. And we've got talk everywhere. And and it's interesting campfire stuff. Like, the, now we're back to me hanging out with my dad as a kid around the campfire talking about this stuff. Yeah. I'm still no closer than I was now 40 years ago. Except I've published a book. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it, it,
4: about the... You hanging out with your dad around the campfire, there is definitely a
5: folklore aspect to all this. Oh, yeah. It's oh, modern
4: yeah. day folklore, in my opinion. Hmm.
5: Oh, yeah, I still remember just sort of sitting there and talking about Von Doniken's theories that the pyramids could have been built by aliens, and I still remember the story um a Neanderthal skull found with a bullet hole in it well, you know thirty thousand years ago, who was shooting you know <laughs> I've since looked that up. I actually looked that up, and it of course turns out that there is a Neanderthal skull with what looks like a bullet hole, but upon examination it's not a bullet hole <laughs> but um at any rate uh
0: what I, should, I think this is a good, like, I, I just want to interject real quick and say that that that's exactly why I, I treat all of this stuff um, the same way I treat most things in my life. I'm, I'm a very, I, t- I take a very agnostic approach to everything. You know, it's, ideas are fine. It's great to have these ideas like, hey, what about this? What about this? Okay. You can, because you, you can change an idea without any problems, but you get, when you dive into it and you start having faith or having beliefs built about any of this stuff that's when it starts to become dangerous and that's when it starts to become hard to have conversations even about it you know what i mean because it's
5: oh yeah certainly
0: there is yeah, it, there there is no grounding fundamental proof for anything so so having the ideas and you know sitting around the campfire shooting the shit about it that's mm-hmm. that's fine that's one thing but when when you start to like build your like whole whole philosophical like foundations on these things that that's where you run into a lot of trouble i think
5: oh certainly you risk becoming a religion there's a number of books out there now that talk about ufo religions you know uh, ralians uh the heaven's gate i do believe that there's still some around i don't know if they practice anymore but there's there's some that survive that good book came out back in 1994 i believe it's called the gods of landed it's all about this stuff It's really pretty fascinating. There's a couple others about UFO religions. And once again, it's a space age grafting on the older archetypes. Um... You know, the gods are no longer living on Mount Olympus or beyond the moon or, you know, out amongst the stars. Now they, they come from the stars or, or they travel through other dimensions, uh, whatever. But the communication still seems to be the same, you know, which is always um, abductions of some sort. You know, you go back to Greek mythology. What was Zeus doing? He was turning into creatures and abducting human women. And he was having sex with them. That's the same thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know... You, yeah. well, so, well, you know Nobody believes in Zeus anymore. Why are we believing this is going on? <laughs> what was your Area 51 story? Okay. Maybe it's more interesting to me, but I'll tell it anyhow. I worked um, at at the district court, or I'm sorry, the circuit court in um, St. Clair County, which is Port Huron. It's in the Thumb area of Michigan. And uh, the district court, the community service coordinator, the guy who got people working community service when the judge was sentenced them, he was retired Air Force. And he worked out in the Las Vegas area at the Air Force Base where planes would go to Area 51 and come back. And when I found out about that, I, he became my best friend because before I was really skeptical and stuff, I was like – I was more on the verge of believing that there could be something in Area 51, possibly alien. So I needed to pick his ear. So every time he'd go out to smoke, I'd be right out there next to him. I'd be like, come on. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what you see. Just anything. Give me a kernel of Just something. You were there for 10 of your 20 years as the Air Force. Tell me something. He told me this. He said, I'll tell you what, Eric. He goes, when something's secret or a mission is top secret, these guys will tell their wife or they might have too much to drink and tell their buddy. But he goes, these guys at Area 51, they didn't talk about anything. He goes, I can't tell you. I honestly can't tell you one story. Now, if he was covering, I don't know. (laughs) But that's as close as I ever got (laughs) to talking to somebody who knew something about what was going on in Area 51. But, of course, that was back in 98. Yeah. And here we are less than 20 years later and Annie Jacobson's book comes out which basically says unless you want to believe a deep conspiracy, she knew nothing about you didn't, everything you need to know about Area 51. But yeah, that's my Area 51 story.
4: It just makes sense to me that these people are they're, they're they're military, they're ultra patriotic. You know, I mean I have a relative now that's in the military and you know, he's a he's in the Navy. I mean and he doesn't talk about certain. He can't tell me certain things, and it's mundane stuff. I mean, it's not like you know, it's just operational stuff. So it's just yeah. you know, they, they don't want the, the word to get out to the Chinese or the or right. the Russians or you know, this the loose lips sink ships. You know, yeah, some, uh, mentality some, from World
5: War Two. Yeah, sometimes when, when that person does finally come out and talk, or twenty years later the, the, the you know, the people are gone. Like the JFK documents, good example, just came out, right? Last fall. All these documents that were withheld for decades. Everybody jumped on them to find out. We find out they're nothing. <laughs> Why were the government holding on to them? This was nothing. This didn't solve anything, it changed nobody's opinion. So, yeah. There's there's secrets in the military and there's secrets in the government, and, and they might be just so boring. But at the time, it's important. And after enough time passes, yeah, but does it doesn't matter anymore? Which might be why Area Fifty One ain't a big deal anymore, mkl ain't a big deal anymore. Things right. like that. You know, right. they, eventually, you know, the stealth bomber you know, was a big deal. That could be a reason for some of the triangle sightings back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. We all know about it now. And if you've ever seen that thing. I saw it an air show once. I understand why people think that's alien because coming from my background, when I saw that thing go overhead and it was really quiet and it was going slow and it's jet black, not shiny, not nothing, I was like, oh, yeah, I see that now. <laughs> I can see why people would go nuts if they didn't know that was going over their head.
4: So let's talk about your experiences at this conference that uh, uh, you attended with Rojan not too long ago. <laughs> Yeah, oh, This is was. interesting to me because this film, uh, Gary Bates' film, I actually know – well, actually, I know a couple of people that are in the thing. <laughs> Did you see it? I haven't I've seen not, it. I've not
5: seen it, no. Okay. I was supposed to watch it um, at this conference. Um, what, <laughs> the thing is that, I mean, I could have seen it beforehand and I read the book beforehand i I, so i read the book but i saved the video because i wanted to give myself something to do for the afternoon i didn't want to show up and see the same movie i wanted something new to talk about so it's called the scientific ufo research conference uh, march 24th and basically the first thing that tipped me off this was going to be interesting was that it was at um, the gateway anabaptist church Okay, now I know churches sometimes allow community functions, but being in this field long enough, I had a feeling we were dealing with Christian creationists who were going to claim the aliens were demons. And sure enough, that's exactly what it was. So I also looked at the two presenters, Dr. Dan Harden and Chaplain Joe Dimalge. I think I'm saying that name right. Uh, he's retired federal uh, pastor, chaplain. And basically, they gave this presentation— mainly Demolish gave this presentation that talked about, in a nutshell, that before Noah's Flood, everybody, all the species were separate. But somewhere during that time, human beings were unnaturally creating hybrids between themselves and other creatures, thus creating things like the centaur and score. Everything you saw in Clash of the Titans, apparently they believe really existed prior to Noah's Flood. And that was the reason God got angry and sent the Flood. So now after the flood, man hasn't really learned its lesson because we're starting to do this again. We're starting to create cloning and we're starting to mess with our own DNA or you know, transhumanism and so forth. But we've also got these demons that continue to mess with us because back in Genesis, I believe Genesis 6, it talks about the, the Nephilim which could be like the dark angels, came down from heaven and mated with man. And their argument, these, these guys who put on this presentation, was that it's still going on today. And that's the alien abductions, that we're actually dealing with demons that are um, still doing that, and they're trying to take us away from Christ. Now, Roe, who doesn't have much of a tolerance for that, he couldn't take it, and he was gone. <laughs> I think, he, la- I think he, he lasted the first half of it on our break. He said, I'm out of here. Yeah, he was I trying to
4: r- tell you guys to abort. He was like, abort. This is not
5: what you think Abort. abort. <laughs> well, I told him based on my research a couple of weeks. I said, Do you know what <laughs> we're getting into? He goes, No. I said, Oh, you're going to love this. <laughs> he goes, No, 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 no. I'm like, You have to go. Well, I'm, you know, one of the reasons I went is because they were kind enough to allow me a table to be a vendor. So I brought my book to sell some copies, you know, and I'm not going to go there being a jerk. I'm trying to. You know, so I'm just I'm taking I'm writing notes. I'm just taking information in. I'm you know, as a, as a person who writes fiction, this is great. I could write a whole another book just on this story. In fact, in my current book, Chase and Disclosure, I do throw in the ancient astronaut hypothesis and I mess with it. But nothing like this. Nothing like like creating hybrids between horses and sheep and humans and stuff like that. But that's what that conference was all about. Yeah, I'm I'm very familiar
4: with this world mm. because I used to inhabit it myself. Okay. And um, I think what they do is they take the ancient alien hypothesis and they say, well, that's wrong. Here's what's really happened. It was right. that they just replace aliens with fallen angels, mm. and it turns into a whole other kind of set of beliefs. And there's almost a cultic aspect To to that stuff, too, where it's almost like they just – it's like a Mad Lib. You take one (laughs) thing out and you put another thing in, and that's essentially what it is. And and they also use it to defend the young Mm -hmm. Earth creationism.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. If you, I don't know if they show this in the movie, but in the book, the first part of the book is all about showing how evolution is incorrect, that geology is wrong, and that we we have a young Earth, that the Earth is basically unique amongst the stars, and uh, we were we were no way, did we evolve. They have to kind of dismantle all that for their theory to work. But once again, they're bringing in a whole bunch of unknowns and speculation to try to prove something which is already a speculation. The only thing I think that maybe their theory has going for it is age, angels are older than aliens, <laughs> you know. Right. So they can always they can always go back on tradition. And know, a lot of people already do that. Well, it says so in the Bible. Here it is in the Bible, so it must be real. But what Bud Hopkins said is nonsense. You know, it's the same story. One is dressed up in a space age mythology. That's all. It's just, it's the same archetype. Like you said, a Mad Lib. I love that. It's a Mad Lib. You just plug it in, and it works. Yeah,
4: it's gotten to the point now where. Um, Eli Marzuli is a guy that we've had on this show before, and he's he's a perfect case of this where he is just he's just taken that ancient aliens uh, mythology and just keyed it in, and he pulls a lot of his work from like David Jacobs, which there's a lot of problems with Jacobs' work off the bat, yeah. Which we've had Jacobs on the show too, uh, you know. It, it just this is just my personal opinion, and it, it just it. it it just becomes another form of this, so it's like it's easier somehow for for Christians to accept it in a way but it's there's a lot of it that's not even biblical even it's just extra biblical stuff
5: <laughs> right right well one of, one of the you know things that christianity sold and the reason why it sold so well is they grafted onto already existing myths like easter paganism fertility cults and christmas and the the tree and so forth so all you got to do now when it comes to extraterrestrials is plug it into that that they're not extraterrestrials from a different planet they are angels from heaven and since they're doing bad things to us they must be Satan's angels, but then mm-hmm. there's this other group that they want to help us, and they want to end pollution on the earth, and they want to stop our nuclear war. They must be Michael and uh, all the other angels, that, all the good angels that are helping us, and there's this constant tug of war, and man is in the middle. Now they're back when, in Revelation, and so you got one group that said, like Heaven's Gate. They created their own rapture, and the interesting thing about Heaven's Gate is that they actually had something to look at when they were going. You know, they had the comment there. They just didn't know there wasn't a flying saucer behind it. But then again, do we know there wasn't a flying saucer behind it? (laughs) I mean, maybe they're right. Maybe they're up there going, you guys are the stupid ones, you know. Um, More than likely not. But um, at the very least, we can envision, and we're doing it now, we're doing space travel. We're creating technology that's going to take us to the stars. And we're going to go to other planets. And hopefully, I'm turning 50 in two years. But hopefully in my lifetime, we'll see a colonization or something on Mars and beyond so a Heaven's Gate cult kind of makes sense, you know, in today's world, which is probably why it works, because, it, you know, flying saucers and technology that can take us to the stars, maybe another civilization achieved that, and they're coming here. Okay. Yeah. Well, if they are, I'm waiting for them to show me something more than, <laughs> than I already know.
4: And also that you, did, you didn't get to see the film because they didn't actually have the
5: film. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to the guys before when we were just sort of shooting it while we were waiting for the thing to start. And they said, yeah, and they didn't send us the film. So we got the whole afternoon open. So literally by noon, I was gone. I mean, a friend of mine who came, we were out to lunch. I think I got home at three o'clock and Rose said, we got all the time in the world. Let's do the show. And that's when I ended up on Project Archivist podcast that night. and We talked about this.
3: Yeah,
4: it's it's there's a there's been a campaign to. Bring that movie to various different churches and such. Yeah, I, I I know that because, like I said, I know one of the people that uh, yeah that uh, is actually, I guess, in the film and is a part of, is actually a part of the film. So
5: I would like to see it. I've read the book, but again, I'd like to I'd like to see it anyhow because, like, <laughs> here is the thing: some people will say, "All right, Eric, you don't really buy this stuff. You think it's mainly a product of human psychology or." somebody messing with a person. Either way, it's a very terrestrial human thing, okay? Why are you bothering with this? Well, there's some people, that all I do is read Stephen King. We know Stephen King's making it up, but when it comes to my field, there might be something there. I might stumble upon something, or something might get revealed at some point. Something might make me change my mind. There might be something that happens that I say, oh my God, I've been wrong this whole time. I'm open to that. I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope there is another intelligence out there that's trying to talk to us. So I stay in the game because there's always a possibility that this thing is real. And what it turns out to be, I don't know. Right. We're, but you know, but when you watch Star Wars and they have a Star Wars convention or a Star Trek convention, as much as people role play, they all go home knowing it ain't real. But you go to UFO convention and you meet believers. And that is more entertaining. <laughs> to me. But I don't I don't mean making fun of. I mean entertaining.
4: Is there any of this any of this pseudo scientific stuff that that's that you don't see as entertaining but you would see as more as dangerous or corrosive?
5: Um all of it can be. Um d- Ufology, Heaven's Gate, brought it up a number of times tonight. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, if you believe enough that um, that you got to get off this planet because it's going to end, and you got one shot on that flying saucer behind the comet, um, religion is it, it can can be dangerous, especially if you think you're the guy with the right religion and everybody must die if they don't convert. You know, we have 9/11 was a perfect example. Uh, September 11th, and the planes crashed into the building. We've got the Islamic State. Luckily, they're on the decline. <clears throat> Any belief without evidence can be dangerous. Luckily, luckily, most bad beliefs are harmless because, as I like to say, most of us understand our 72 virgins are right here on Earth. We don't have we're not looking forward to dying. Like the Rallians, they're all about exposing themselves and sex and they don't want to die. I'm not worried about them yeah, yeah, <laughs> at all. Yeah. In fact, I might want to go to their party. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but quite frankly, any belief which is practiced or pushed on other people without evidence, it can be dangerous. So If there's any one particular thing that just irks me, I'm probably going to have to go with religion. And the reason why is because religion's got the God card. Like if you go with ufology and you say, I believe we got extraterrestrials coming here and they're flying saucers. Okay, well, even if they are, don't do nothing to me. I'm an independent person. But when you go with a religion, that person can say, God created you. I'm speaking for God. You're not doing what God said, and I can do anything I want to you because of that. I think that's pretty Mm -hmm. dangerous. Somebody who thinks they know the mind of a god, that can be scary. And we're seeing that with the Islamists right now in the Islamic State.
4: Yeah. I I think it's the the people that just have the absolute, like, this is what I believe – Right. This is, you know, I mean, I don't mind having core beliefs and you're peaceful with those beliefs. But mm. if someone is going to say, well, you, this is what I believe, so you need to believe it too.
0: Right. I I think the best thing that could happen for humanity as a whole is for us to, to decide that it's okay to not know something. And, like, this is, you know, this is very pervasive throughout all of us, like, on the planet. And it's something I've tried to teach my kids. Like, you're not going to learn anything if you pretend you know it. You're never going to learn. You're never going to grow. You're done. You're done growing at that point. And, um, you know, it's a very uncomfortable place to be, but I think it's a very important place to be as well.
5: Yeah, exactly. The person who says that this book that was written 2,000 years ago, this gospel or or whatever, that this is infallible and it can't be altered. uh, Yeah, that's dangerous, I think. Um, The person who says, I think— I think I have somebody talking to me, and I think somebody's visiting me every night, um, and I need to get to the bottom of that. I'm not really too concerned about that guy, because that guy doesn't really sound like he's going to commit suicide. He doesn't really sound like he's going to hurt anybody. kind of sounds like he's got a mystery. He doesn't know what it is. Or, or the guy who says, I, I think my house might be haunted because every time I go to bed, my feet tickle. <laughs> yeah, I, think I, you know, I think somebody's doing that. Um, so I need to know what's going on there. I think maybe a ghost is doing that. And I know a lot of people that are psychic. When you go to UFO conventions, everybody comes with it. It's <laughs> a whole camp. The entire New Age community is there, right with you—psychics uh-huh. and telepaths and massage therapists, uh, uh, acupuncturists. We're all there. I don't know why that 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 the entire New Age community. It's part of UFOs. It's probably because UFOs have been interpreted by everybody. Everybody's got a, a claim in it. Um, but most of these times, these people that I meet, or the people in my own family or friends, and they're religious and they go to church or they claim to be psychics and they do tarot cards, they're harmless. I've, I've gone to a tarot card reading. I've done a couple of them. It's fun. Palm reading. It can be entertaining. The difference is when you run your life on some of that stuff. Like when yeah. you find out that Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan had an astrologer and they consulted with this person before making some decisions. You're like, whoa, wait, whoa, what? <laughs> you know. What do so. you think
4: about the whole flat earth stuff? <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh,
5: Flat Earth. God, something tells me. I'm just going
4: to lob that Molotov cocktail.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Good luck, (laughs) Eric. Yeah. All right. Nonsense is a real easy thing to say. Um, But one one thing that I do find interesting about Flat Earth is it gives us all a chance to reevaluate why we believe it's round. Because when you hear somebody give a Flat Earth speech or talk Flat Earth and they're convinced, you're now forced, at least in your own head, to go, how do I know they're not right? When you watch a moon landing faking documentary where they go an hour long and they show you all these photos and they say the moon landing was fake and here's why, I've come away with from those things going, oh, my God, I've been lied to. <laughs> Literally 15 minutes of Google changes all that, but that's how, that's how easy it is to find out where they're wrong. Um, so a Holocaust denier or a fake moon lander or a flat earther, at the very least, if you let them speak – it allows you to at least reinforce why you know that they're wrong and why the earth really is round. So when your kid comes around and goes, Dad, how do you know the earth is round? You can know. You'll have an answer to that. Now, the, the real flat earthers, I used to think this was a joke. Like for the past couple of years, I was like, ha, 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 we're all, you know, flat earth, whatever. Like Cthulhu, I believe in Cthulhu. You know, <laughs> We're all in on this joke. I find out that some people... There's one the one clown that shot himself up in a rocket to prove that the Earth was flat. Luckily, he survived that. I don't know, maybe not luckily because there's some doctor who had to get paid to fix him up. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, he demonstrated the least to himself that the Earth was round. But because of all this, a couple of months ago, I actually did get a book on a guy who was trying to prove flat Earth. and I, I read about the first chapter and... Um, it's it's good in the sense that it made me once again reevaluate why I know he's wrong. I had to think about it. So if 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 all it does is at least teaches people to start thinking more scientifically, critically, and reasonable, then it has done its service. <laughs> because I don't think it's not going to last. We're not going to all suddenly become pre-Galileans. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Right. You know? Right. Right. So. Uh.
4: Sergio, Rob, was there anything you guys wanted to ask? Luke, was there anything you wanted to ask?
3: <clears throat> uh, no, not that I can think of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have
5: we beaten this uh,
0: <laughs> I do so. want to ask. Actually, um, I think that your your uh, your ideas and beliefs kind of mimic mine a lot, and I, I I tend to think that I think that there's most likely life all over the universe. Whether or not they're here, there's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of evidence for, and that seems to be kind of where you're coming from, right? You're 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 looking for something concrete to say that all these sightings and and, and all of this uh, culture that's been built around it has some sort of a foundation. You're not necessarily discrediting um, extraterrestrial life in general or extra dimensional anything like. Am I am I right in that assumption?
5: Oh yeah. Can, can you hear me by the way? Because I think I might have lost connection for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, fun. good, good. Um. Oh yeah, I absolutely. I, I'm probably certain. Statistically speaking, there is life out there. Um. It's just it's just statistically speaking. I got no proof of it. But if I'm going to guess, I'm going to say yeah, there is. Whether or not it's coming here is a different story. Uh, I don't think that that's been demonstrated. But I'm pretty sure that it's out there. But I'm also with Stephen Hawking. Who said it's probably a bad idea we advertise ourselves. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was going to bring that up earlier. Yeah, because if they came here, it's because they want our water or our gold or our planet well, I, in general. Or
5: <laughs> I doubt it's for any of those reasons because like like water, you can go to Europa and you can snag the whole moon. Sure, there's ice everywhere. <laughs> Right. So, but if they come here because for whatever reason, I mean, uh, could they treat us, if they can get here, would it be Independence Day or would it be something else? You know, when I go out every summer and I till my garden, do I care if there's an anthill that sprung up there the night before? Well, I don't even look. I just go and do it. I just re- resurface the area and plant more seeds and so forth. So, could they be? Could they do that? Um Again, I, I'd rather not advertise ourselves. I'm just going <laughs> to assume. I, I'd rather. I, I want to know if they're out there, but at the same time, if they decide to show up, you know, is, he, are, is somebody going to be like, it's a cookbook? It's a cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> Ways to Serve Man, you know?
0: <laughs> Great Simpsons reference.
5: Yeah. <laughs> so.
2: I understand you didn't want to. Um Divulge too much that was in the book about something you alluded to as far as uh, artificial intelligence and and some hmm. some ideas you might have about some explanations. But is there anything you'd like to uh, you could kind of reveal without revealing too much about that?
5: Well, like I said, I think that if there's, um, I don't think that carbon-based life forms. I don't think that we're going to be able to travel through space. Right. Uh, I just I have a feeling that. um that we couldn't make the distance. We won't. We don't live that long, and you know, unless somebody's willing to stay in a spaceship for that long, I don't think that we can do that. I do think that it is machines that will make that journey, and that's the theory that I played with uh, in the book. Um, in fact, there's the one character, the the young girl who the main character is uh, trying to figure out if she's an alien abductee. She's seven years old. Her name is Jackie Vincent, Jacqueline Vincent. She says. Um, she says, I don't think they want anything. They keep telling me that, 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 that we're made of atom, and we can be arranged to be more useful. Now, that quote comes from a guy who's working in artificial intelligence who, who was concerned about um, how a, an, an AI might view us. And somebody said, well, do you think they'll hate us? Do you think they'll like us? Do you th- what do you think that they'll feel about us? And he said, uh, they probably won't have any feelings for us at all, but they know you're made of atoms. And you could probably be arranged to be more useful. And I thought that was a really haunting <laughs> thought that they could literally just decide to take your body with the atoms in it and make something else out of it. So what I did is I played with this, this idea, this UFO idea that, that we're not dealing with carbon-based life forms, but perhaps an artificial intelligence. Um, without giving away too much else, that's where I'm going to end that. <laughs> gotcha. H- have you read all the, all the Dune books? No, I only read the first one. Okay. You might want to keep going
2: then if that – you might Mm. want to keep going. I'll just leave it at that so I don't spoil any of that for you. But
5: yeah. It's one of those things where, like, Dune, I really like the first one. And then you find out there's what, 17 more, and I'm thinking, do I, <laughs> yes. Yeah,
2: Come do on, I, man. I'm just looking for anyone to talk about these with me, man. <laughs> I
5: haven't found one yet. I fell asleep yeah, it's during like, the it, first movie. Uh, oh, yeah, like, do yeah. I have the time to invest in, in, in all of it? It really comes down to a matter of time. You know, there's like 900, bo- 900 books on my to read list, you know? I still haven't read Communion. Despite what I'm into, Whitley Strieber's Communion. Would you believe it? I still haven't really? read that. There's, yeah. There's oh, so many okay. books that I haven't read. I did get to see the Christopher Walken movie, but I yeah. don't know. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, I'd like to say that I read everything out there. There's just too much. You know, there's too much. So, um, yeah, that's my answer on that. Cool. Well, Eric, thank you so much. I mean, it's been
4: a real pleasure talking
5: to you. And Oh, thanks you know, for having me. What's, was great.
4: What's next for you? And also, where can people, where can people get the book?
5: Uh, Amazon. Uh, Amazon has the paperback and then the Kindle edition. If you don't want the paperback or a Kindle edition, you can get it in just about any other e format at smashwords.com. Uh, I have links to all that at my website. It's a pretty easy website. Eric Wojo. Eric W O J O. dot wordpress. Uh, I have a recommended section which has some recommended reading. I have uh, my other writings. I have another novel out there that has nothing to do with UFOs. Uh, I have some short stories, some articles, some dealing with UFOs, a little blog I'm trying to get going, an about section. And then my home section is usually where, like, tonight I'm going to add that I just did this podcast with you guys. and uh, Yeah, news and announcements about what's coming up. Like on May 4th, I'll be at PenguinCon. It's a a, um, a convention, a four-day convention here in Southfield, Michigan, which is basically anything do-it-yourself. And I'm going to be doing a reading of Chasing Disclosure on Friday night readings and signings and so forth. So that's where they can catch up with me on if I'm going to be anywhere or any news. Well, I can say that I highly recommend the book. Thank you. It has, did just, you, it has just about everything in it. Did you predict the ending? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> Everybody's told me that they, that they haven't been able to predict the ending. And, and I told and I, as I mentioned earlier, when we were getting started that I didn't even figure out how I was going to end it until about a month before I put the final stamp yeah, on it. It, my, uh,
4: it threw me for a loop. <laughs> the, ending, the ending really threw me for a loop. But um, I could I see go. I could see what you were doing there for sure. Great. Thank All you. right. Well, uh, guys, thank you so much, Eric. And uh, we're going to close Thanks out this section me. and stay on the line for us. And we'll be back with Luke on Conspirator. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Conspiracy Normal, guys. That was a really great interview with Wojciechowski.
1: Yeah, that was Eric Wojciechowski.
4: Awesome. Yeah, I hope who, man, I'm on. Was the longest is, name we probably ha- ever had on. Is well, he from Michigan? I meant to ask him. ask
0: him. What's that? Is he from Michigan? Yeah, like, yeah, he's okay. in Michigan. I I grew up with a lot of um, a lot of Polish people. So a lot of last names ending in ski. A
4: and lot of Polish. The, the, people. Act, the accent
0: was dead on. I just I, I had a feeling.
3: A
4: lot yeah. of consonants. Yeah, you you recognize the accent, huh?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. makes me a little homesick there. So
4: we're running an experiment tonight, and this is for the other listeners, that we're we are uh, we're live right now uh, on the Conspiranormal Facebook page. So we're going to see how this goes, see if we get any, any listeners on here. Um, so interesting week in yes. Nashville.
0: Yeah, the squirrels let's, broke let's in talk and about this. Invaded my attic and chewed through our lights, apparently.
4: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the most that's the one thing that's that happened, right? right? That's, is the squirrels yeah. <laughs> destroying your lights in the attic. Get
2: Illuminati it. weaponized squirrels. <laughs> yeah.
4: We walked in here and uh Rob couldn't turn his lights on. The overhead lights. The lights you're seeing now are well, from the people who might be watching us, is the uh light the um the lamps. lamps. Yeah. So uh Blame it on the squirrels, Rob. Yeah, I thought you were a
3: craftsman, man. Hey, Blame it on hey, the it's, it's worked fine for a year, <laughs> all
4: right? So uh, if anyone has been living under a rock the last couple of days, they know that we had a mass shooting here in Nashville. This happened on Sunday morning very early, like about 3.30 in the morning. And it was at a Waffle House. A man comes into the Waffle House, dressed in nothing, stark naked, except for a jacket with an AR-15, and proceeds to start, start shooting people.
2: He starts from outside.
4: Yeah, he started from outside. He killed at least, what, like he hit... Two people, two people, yeah. and killed two. I guess it was two outside and two inside. Yeah,
0: I think that's. Yeah, there, last, was, last I heard was four dead, three injured, or something mm-hmm. like that.
4: There was one guy that actually got the weapon away from him, and was able to one well, that while the guy was reloading, trying to reload, he goes over, rushes him, and gets the weapon away from him, throws it over the counter. And uh, wrestled with the guy for a little bit and then the dude leaves, uh, runs away, and remained at large until Monday yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Monday afternoon, recording Monday, this on like April 24th.
2: or something like that.
3: Is, there, is yeah. around 1 one thirty.
4: Okay. Yeah. And the guy's name was, what was his name? Travis Rain King or something like uh, that? Yeah. Right. Ryan King, yeah. Ryan, Ryan King. King, Ryan King, yeah. was a native of Illinois. And he was apparently had been in Colorado. He'd been in Illinois. He had apparently had gone to Washington D.C. and was tried to get an audience with the president. Which was this was last year, I think. When was that? September of last year. It said 2016
3: in the article. I think. Did it? Yeah.
4: Well, it was 2017. It It had to be 2017 because he said he wanted to talk to Trump. Oh, okay. And he said that he wanted an audience with the president, that he he was on a mission to talk to the president. I don't know exactly what that means, but that's what he said. He also apparently believed that Taylor Swift was –
0: Stalking, stalking. stalking him. Him. Yeah, that's a, to get him. That's yeah. the story I heard. All those, all those breakup songs were about him, and he was f- furious. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Well, he is kind of an attractive man, you know. He's, he's handsome, sort of. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, but still. So, <laughs> then they caught him yesterday, as I said before, and so we have yet another crazy person.
0: There was a lot of build up to this, rifle. right? Like with um as far as where the gun came from and like his his dad.
2: Yeah, after that there. incident at the White House, I guess uh, the Secret Service and FBI investigated him and then his firearms were confiscated and under some Illinois law, they were given to his father who then I guess just gave them back to him. Mhm. And uh yeah.
4: Apparently, they had been confiscated two times. I don't remember what their, whether the White House incident was the first time they had been confiscated or whether or not that was the first time. But apparently, the father gave him the guns or the weapons to him both times. Well, I know where I lay the blame. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, this kid is a total psycho. Just, I mean—
4: to a mentally un- to a mentally unstable what what's uh what's not
3: not really commonly known though is that he also stated that or he uh whenever he was confronted by the uh this secret service on the white house grounds like he stated that he was a sovereign citizen.
2: Oh, okay. So he's already yeah. in that whole
3: yeah. Yeah. I- extremist like you know American terrorist group really. Right. The in- basically the internet
2: you know, it was politicized by a bunch of crazy stuff on the internet. Um,
4: seems like. Yeah, and you found something interesting yesterday, too, that you sent me. What was that? The The last Facebook post that he had made or the last oh, yeah. Every, post. Everyone
2: started going to his Facebook, you know, as soon as the manhunt was on, which is a really long manhunt, which is strange because it's usually, you know, these people get caught real quick. I guess there's wooded areas, so he's running around. You know, all the metro was out there, just you know. Well, another
3: thing that they they couldn't really use the dogs because the rain had washed the scent off of everything. Oh, there was a lot of rain. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Wow. So yeah, on his on his Facebook, I guess the last public post he made was some kind of YouTube conspiracy video, and he just said the Illuminati is real, and it was a public post. So then, like, it just becomes this, you know. Total soapbox for everybody to have whatever political war they want, you know, off of this tragedy, and it was, it was pretty, pretty disgusting.
0: Yeah, well, how long um, ago was that post?
2: It was last year, but it was the it was the only thing you could see if you weren't his friend and you just searched his name, uh-huh. which thousands of people did, and you know, over, you know, through the course of the day, you had just thousands of comments, and everyone, everyone, you know, saying, oh, he's a a Democrat or he's a Trump Tart or, you know, just laying the blame. <laughs> See I everywhere. wasn't paying any it attention was, to
4: because I was so busy over the last couple of days yeah, and I did not even was, hear any of it that. It was, was pretty
2: terrible that people didn't even wait like hours from hearing about this to play their political games on it, you know, when when that many people
4: died and It was March thirtieth, twenty seventeen was when the post was made.
2: Yeah, it was uh as soon as I saw that, I was like, Oh gosh, here we go, you know.
4: Yeah. Um, my thoughts on it is that I will say that I think that there is a um racial component to this. Yeah, I think that he probably was trying to pull a Dylan Roof, which that's the guy that killed all the people in the church back in 2015 in South Carolina in yeah. Charleston. Uh, it seems to me that that's what it was. Um, because all the victims were, were black. Um, it does seem very random, but he could have been, you know, casing that waffle ca- that Waffle House for days, trying to see what kind of victims he could get. You know, see who comes in. You know, nightly, weekly. You know the ty- the the who the people are that come in. Um, it just it it seems to me that that's that he was particularly he was targeting a particular ethnic group.
2: Yeah, it, do, it does seem like it. And this guy was just – I mean, he had been – you had that stuff at the White House, the Taylor Swift stuff. There was incident with him wearing a pink dress, threatening people with his AR-15 before, and then him going to a public swimming pool and, like, pulling out his stuff and just goes <laughs> he, on and
4: on. I mean, he, was, he, was, he was definitely off his rocker. He was like psycho. Yeah. Didn't he threaten... You said he threatened somebody in a Publix?
2: There's that Publix across the street and it hasn't been confirmed by any mainstream media, but it's being in Nashville, it's like all over social media Sure, uh, that he was yelling racial slurs at people in a Publix, at children and their mother. And yeah, it seems like...
4: Yeah, so that gives another... To
3: the racial component.
4: What's your thoughts on it, Luke?
3: It just kills me that like, um, yeah, well, I, I appreciate very much that they're trying to get more attention like on the victims. Because everyone's focused on the gunman, you know, trying to figure out like what his psychological issue is so they can get to the bottom of it, you know. That's what everyone is thinking about. So I appreciate the 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 fact that they're trying to make more apparent like who it was that were victims, you know. Sure, yeah. But on the on the <laughs> on the pictures that they keep making uh for Facebook, they keep making like they keep, they keep putting, like, the Waffle House font at the top. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, these people's lives weren't about Waffle House. <laughs> like, yeah. stop, stop, you know, Waffle House victims and Waffle House font. Like, no, dude.
4: <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure there should it's be. The internet. There should definitely <laughs> be. I mean, this... T- there should definitely be, you know, looking at these people more than just that they were just innocent standbys at a Waffle House, um, for sure. But, you know, this is just how people deal with things. I mean, this is a tragedy. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's, it's hit our community. Yeah. This and is a place that, I, you know, I used to work right down. We used to work right down the street from there.
3: I was actually at a Waffle House the same night this happened, too. Uh-huh. Around the same time.
4: Right. Uh, yeah, that, that could have been us. It's very common on a Friday or Saturday night that a Waffle House is packed.
0: Well, and I, I, you know, I work where I work. I I answer the phones. I do a lot of booking where where I work and um, uh, customer service stuff. And I had somebody today call and um, you know place an order and go through the whole process of everything. And, And at the end of the conversation, like, oh, and by the way, they caught that guy. Like this is somebody that's out of town that had just heard about everything that just yeah, wanted yeah. to let me know. Like it's that like big of a you know big of a deal like locally to people that are familiar with the area and stuff. That in the
2: episode before last, we were just talking about this kind of stuff and the copycat effect, and it's crazy, mm-hmm, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and we're in the midst of like a really hard mainstream media push against kind of the a lot of the ecology of like what we're really a part of because of these like false flag people and stuff like that. And, you know, we just want to come out first and say like this absolutely did happen. And, you know, if, if any of those people try to come around here with any of that crazy stuff, I mean, it's, it's going to be a a major problem.
4: And, um, Lauren Coleman, who was our guest a few shows ago, as you said, he he actually talked about this. He also talked about the Toronto thing, which we're gonna we're gonna get to that too. It seems like we're always getting uh, we're always just talking about tragedy on here, you know. But yeah, it's it's, become the new normal in America. It seems like it has. It really has, and. That's why it's almost refreshing to to have the the guest segments because when we come on, we're we're always talking about something like this. Like I have other things that I, I really want to talk about, but like it, it's hard to avoid this one because it happened here, here yeah. where we yeah. are, literally miles down the road. Yeah, it's, it's uh, terrible. And and it was it was crazy the next day because they were telling people, you know, even though you know we, they were yeah, doing I, we, some we're house to house road.
2: searching too. I yeah. mean, it was like you
4: know. Yeah, I mean, he was out there in the woods, and I can tell you, Sunday, it was raining constantly. Yeah. yeah. So this guy had to have been somewhere. He probably crawled into a foundation. Yeah, he, he must have. He had to have been doing something where he had some kind of shelter, just sitting there, just probably yeah. muttering to himself. You know, I mean, and I heard today, uh, I did see some social media thing that you were talking about. This was today where they were talking, they gave him a $2 million bond. People were pretty mad about that. Yeah. People were mad about that.
3: But, but if you actually like look into what they said, though, they said it's an unrealistic bond in the first place. But if, if someone somehow came up with two, $200,000. $2
4: million. Well, no, but or that would know, you
3: know, be, yeah, be the 10%. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if, if they came up with that money, they said that they would just instantly repeal it, and then they would make the amount even higher. They, they said they just had, for whatever reason, legally, they had to set a bond. Well, why are people mad? Because they, or they're trying to say he should have the death penalty that he shouldn't have a bond at all, which I agree with. But like something, some kind of processing decided when they do a
0: trial,
2: right? Exactly.
3: Yeah, that's. I mean,
2: well, and I've seen it compared to other like some some large drug cases in Nashville, and people were upset about it. But I mean, unfortunately, those bonds are set against those big drug cases because a lot of times they will be paid. And they'll set them very large because it's actually possible that someone will pay that. But uh, yeah, it was
0: yeah yeah. These it was crazy
2: to have it hit so so close to home.
0: Yeah yeah. I've been to that Waffle House. Uh, I used to live like two blocks away. You know.
4: Oh, I, I took a I took a delivery that uh, during the day, and uh, this guy opened the door and he says, "Man, it's crazy about that guy killing those people in that Waffle House." And he said, he said, man, I, I work over the Nissan plant. The Nissan plant's in Smyrna, which is a little bit south of here in Nashville. And he said, man, I work at the Nissan plant. And like, I mean, I was working my late shift that night and I got off about three o'clock. And I'm usually there at that Waffle House right at that time. And I you know I, I just decided I'm not going tonight. I'm t- too tired to go. And he's like, man, if I'd been there, yeah. like, think about being that dude yeah you know avoiding uh, avoiding that like i mean that's 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 got to be a a really a really crazy feeling
2: it's so nuts that he just had all these prior encounters but you know how how many people like this are the authorities dealing with all the time you know i mean and you know we can't have like a a minority report type of you know future crime thing you know i mean how can what can they do
0: Right, yes. right. yeah, for sure, but at the same time, there's um you know,
2: they should have made absolute sure that he cannot get firearms
0: gun you know. reform is this giant spectrum, it's not a should people have them or shouldn't people have them you know there's and i I'm way in the middle of that, um where where I think that there's definitely a way that we can keep. The majority of firearms away from the majority of crazy people and solve the majority of these issues, you know, without, without interfering with the people that are responsible, good, you know.
2: Which then, of course, the, ne- the next day, the new Nashville mayor jumped on uh, immediately. Yeah, Briley. Calling for reforms and our our alternative weekly has a huge um, article of ban. We need to ban assault weapons, you know, just a couple days afterwards. So no one's, you know, no one's uh, spending any time before they start uh, pushing their political agendas.
4: Yeah. in, In this case, though, they took the guns away. Right. They took the weapons away two times, and the father no. still gave him the weapons. Oh, all he, Why? All he yes, had to do was put him,
3: and put him in a safe with a combination.
0: Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. The the blame lays with him. Yeah. You know? Not with the government, not with the laws, not with the way things work. It's, it's, it's all his father's fault as far as I'm concerned. I,
3: I, I just laughed uh, yesterday, too. Or, yeah, was it yesterday or day before? But uh, one of the reporters like knew nothing about guns, and he was just like, "Oh, they recovered the AK-15." <laughs>
4: oh no! Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah,
3: yeah. I saw. I, was I, like, I, come I, on, I heard dude. somebody say that you must
4: be from a liberal ass state. And, and you, you, you <laughs> texted me about. You said that they, um, that they, that the guy slipped I thought, up. Yeah, I thought he slipped up. He said up. he slipped up and said he had a Colorado driver's license, but he had a Colorado driver's license yeah. and an Illinois driver's license. Right. So well, I mean, and, that's a little. That's strange, but you know, again, you're dealing with a mentally ill person.
3: Yeah. And I've, uh, all the stories that I've heard about schizophrenics, like they they actually do move, seem to move around a lot too. So he was
2: here supposedly because his family owned a crane company, and we're Crane City right now. So we are
4: definitely Crane City. Uh Yeah. Okay. So his family was here with him? No, his
2: family owns a crane company or something. So he had some kind of limited employment. Um, but he was actually let go from a job too for being so crazy and just talking all kinds right. of crazy stuff all the time. Um,
4: right. And then we have other craziness that went on in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. was this was yesterday What's where that? somebody plowed a car into. A oh yeah,
3: I, I heard about that a little bit today. It injured nineteen, killed like five of them or something like that. Uh
0: huh. That's all I've heard. All I've heard is like statistics. I don't know.
3: Like, the, the story behind it or... Um. Well, I watched the video of his capture, and he just kept on pretending like his finger was a gun. He, like, made the finger gun toward the police or whatever. And he kept on, like, acting like he was drawing something out because he was trying to get shot, like, at the end of it. But they, they didn't shoot him.
0: Do you think that's what it was? It was just, like,
3: elaborate... Suicide
4: by Murder police? Suicide yeah. Kind yeah, of thing? Yeah. Did they catch the guy? Because I really haven't. Yeah. Oh, they got him. Yeah,
3: yeah. They, that's what I'm talking about. Like, in, in the video, like, the, it's viral. You know, you could find it easily. Uh, he he keeps on acting like he's drawing something, you know, from his waist, acting like he's got a gun. But they they know better because they're like, well, he would have drawn it already instead of his little finger gun. So uh, they go in there. They just go in and take him down
4: after I wonder that. how different that would have been Canadian if it was
3: Canadian police, yes. I,
4: I, I honestly <laughs> wonder... Even if he drew a finger gun, whether they would have just shot? Oh, he's still
3: he's still a nice guy deep inside, though. What was interesting (laughs) was I
4: was listening to the talk radio station here this morning, and the guy, the morning guy, was talking about it, and he said that uh, he said that he was a Muslim. And I then later on today, I'm looking at some stuff about it, and they said that the guy is an Armenian, and Armenians are generally. Christian, I don't know what this guy was, but you know, I don't think he was a Muslim. Where he is, was following the ISIS playbook of plowing cars into people, but Right. I mean, that's about it. Where is Armenia? It is kind of wedged in between Russia and Turkey.
0: Well and yeah, they have a they have a pretty brutal history behind them
2: mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and the
4: Armenian genocide. Yeah. And apparently
2: um from some limited things I'm seeing on the internet. He has some kind of connections to some new internet subcultures of frustrated uh, young men who are involuntarily celibate. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people, I guess already are in these subcultures are encouraged by his actions and uh, they want to make people suffer because they, uh, cannot find women to willingly have sex with them For real? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's it insane. It is so
3: easy to get laid, dude.
4: <laughs> My God. Oh, it just hurts. You just got to find the right special woman.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty sick. And it just, it shows, you know, no matter what the ideology, no matter what, I mean, this is, these are symptoms of, the larger phenomenon of terrorism and it terrorism comes from the mass media being there to broadcast, you know, what these right. people want to do. And with this new internet mass media, you know, you were seeing these types of things evolve and all you know, all kinds of ideologies and people using them.
0: It, def- you know, yeah, it definitely plays crazy. a role. I think I think it's a um a culmination of People with like diehard beliefs and the ability to uh, communicate instantly, widespread, just has created something that we haven't learned to cope with. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and it's I think we'll eventually twenty years from now find a a more of a balancing point, but we're we're in like this crazy growing pains kind of a period.
2: It's crazy, and they're they're a lot of them are you know like this guy you know might have found his calling and in this subculture uh this you know the guy that did this here you know was politicized through things on the internet and you know it's 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 like this you know a lot of these mass media stuff is is triggering them
3: you know i mean it was that whole copycat thing yeah if we would have just legalized prostitution we wouldn't have had this problem
4: (laughs) maybe the one in toronto are you saying they're just all across the board? Maybe these guys just need to get laid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, oh, okay. he,
3: he just said it may have stemmed from the activist group that he was in about being involuntarily celibate. Yeah. So, like, if prostitution was legal, then... <laughs>
4: Elliot Roger was this guy's hero, by the way. Right. Which apparently, and very scary, that there's a whole internet subculture that yeah, sees it's, Elliot it's Roger disgusting. as a hero. Who's Elliot Roger? Elliot Roger was the kid that went on a rampage, supposedly, which I think there's some weird stuff about Elliot Roger, but I'll digress. That he went on this rampage in Elavista, Vista, California in the middle of May of twenty fourteen. He killed his roommates and he started shooting at a Starbucks and the cops later shot him up, killed him. And his dad was um, an assistant director on The Hunger Games. His dad was some kind of like, not necessarily a big shot in Hollywood, but a documentary filmmaker, and a, he'd worked on The Hunger Games movie. Oh, and which there's, you know, I think there's some there's there's some weirdness surrounding that. But yeah, so apparently this there's been this cult. What do they call it? surfail incel, yeah. as they call it. So, um, I don't know. Does that mean anything? Involuntarily celibate. Okay. Okay. I've <laughs> met a couple people like that. Which is fine, you yeah, know. If you want to be involuntarily celibate, are voluntarily well, celibate? They, they're blaming, you know, they're blaming fine. society,
2: they're blaming women, blaming <laughs> wait, feminism, wait, involuntarily
0: celibate. Yes, involuntarily. Yeah, in, I'm, I'm a good guy, okay. I just deserve a girlfriend. Never mind. I, tell, I retract my statement. I don't understand they're, they're that.
2: They're entitled. They're blaming <laughs> society, blaming women, blaming feminism, blaming social change <laughs> right. for why they can't get laid, and right. they want to take it out.
0: Well, God forbid anybody <laughs> look at themselves and.
2: Just go to Vegas with like, I mean, like a thousand bucks, dude. Well, you're, you're talking about, I mean, just they're these Luke, guys are so square, man. They don't, you know, right? Yeah, look, okay. they
4: can't be all just as handsome, and, you know, sexy. Yeah. And yeah. Just yeah, you, you, you you wouldn't understand, Luke. You wouldn't understand. All right, it's hard. You just it's you hard. don't you don't get it. i have I mean, re- really, really s- got all the ladies flocking all the time. I'm really you
3: struggling just, to put myself in the shoes of this man.
4: You just you just you just don't <laughs> see it, man. Uh, <laughs> You know, you just don't know what it's like. <laughs> All right, well, just go um, to a party other things, a other things in the news. There was this weird. We mentioned this when we were talking to Eric. There was this weird release to some reporter that was doing a sh- a sh- story on something that was unrelated, and he got some kind of weird bind control chart from from the government. Oh yeah, I see this. I did. You said, yeah, yeah, I you, sh- you said that to me. I there were only two that, pictures. There were only you. two. Yeah, like, there were two, two pictures, and it had all these different. It had all these different labels on it. I'm gonna pull this up since I sent it. Which to you Rob. can you can
2: see one of them on the conspira normal Instagram at conspira normal.
4: Oh, <laughs> oh nice plug. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, good. I want to pull it up too because it was like it was like a, a chakra chart, but 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 like how how to control people through their groin, <laughs> how to control people <laughs> through their brain, how to control it. It
2: was showing all the electromagnetic. Effects on the human body that right. could potentially be done
4: right in the in the head. It said forced memory blanking and induced erroneous actions, induced changes to hearing, both apparent cor- direction and volume, and sometimes even content. Sudden violent itching inside eyelids, forced manipulation of airways, including externally controlled forced speech. Uh, In the heart, wildly racing heart without cause. Remotely violent, no rash, itching with preference for hard-to-reach areas, often during delicate or messy work. In the groin area, special attention to genital area, itching, forced orgasm, intense pain. Uh, And in the head also, reading and broadcasting thoughts, controlled dreams, forced waking vision, some synced with body motion, microwave hearing, Transparent eyelids, artificial tinnitus, forced movement of jaw and clacking of teeth, forced muscle clacking of the large muscles on the back and in the hands, forced precision manipulation of hands, sometimes sink to the forced waxing visions. I don't know quite. And it says uh, the story is when journalist Curtis Waltman filed a Freedom of Information Act request with Washington State Fusion Center. Which is partnered with Department of Homeland Security to obtain information about Antifa and white supremacist groups. He got more than the information he was looking for. He also accidentally received a mysterious file on psychoelectric weapons with the label "EM effects on human body.zip." The file included methods of remote mind control. Which yeah, so is there's the one parts picture of which I just read you. Wow.
2: Yeah, there's one picture with the human body and and all the things that could be done to it listed, and then the the other picture is, like, uh, the delivery methods, I guess, which shows, like, a cell phone tower or mm-hmm. a, a helicopter or a, a van with these big, like, satellites on it shooting uh, electromagnetic waves at and, people. And
0: these could all be, like, like crazy prototype files of <laughs> things that the government was just, well, like. it's probably
2: not government. It looks like it's, well, I mean, it's so. <laughs>
3: it's made by some dude. Right. Just, well, I mean, like,
0: it, it, it could it just up. be something like, here's a crazy idea. Let's throw it in a drawer, and then it accidentally, like, got sent out to, like, somebody.
4: <laughs> accidentally. You know, like, I don't no because you know after you know reading and having Camellio and having Robert Guffey on the show uh oh i don't i don't deny that this stuff you know. is taken
0: seriously i'm just saying that like this might just be proof of like the government is cataloging everything because there might be something to it
4: kind D- of a thing man chris I, wolford says
3: gang stalking <laughs> i i found that flash drive in the backyard of the uh, house that we lived in in the bonus man what was in it? It it uh, it had it was a police flash drive, and it was talking about the the meth their their technology like of uh, what? Be, yeah, being able to penetrate homes to be able to see the specific heat signatures that the drugs inside were putting off, and how it's legally viable in court.
2: Hey, you still got this? Maybe we should.
0: uh that's an episode, dude. I, I could. Yeah, I mean, man, I could, man, I, like, next
3: episode. I, 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 prob- I probably just like threw it in a container somewhere or something. Like, oh, where'd go, man?
4: Come on, God. man.
3: I, I mean, I, I just you know. And I, you didn't
4: even tell me about conspir- this at the time.
3: You, you're on a conspiracy <laughs> podcast. <man. laughs> I mean, there there was a. I told a dude, I told you, like there was a flash drive like in the backyard, and and I was just I saw something like glimmering, and I was just like, yo, what is that? And I started scratching around, and, and I was like, oh, it's a flash drive. So I cleaned it all off, you know, I cleaned the inside and everything else, and plugged it in. The guy
2: in the black helicopter went to tie his shoe and fell
3: out. His uh-huh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we don't get raided by the SWAT team here oh, in the next man. few minutes.
3: Uh, so, <laughs> I don't think Rob has any uh, coke or you gigantic pot plants in his house you No, know, like, they they already militarized my squirrels and took out our <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah it's yeah. a lot yeah. more subtle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got the bionic uh, Illuminati squirrels up but there.
3: At least they yeah. didn't eat through your cords on your computer. That's true. Yeah. That's that's that's
2: yeah.
4: what it is.
2: <laughs> but yeah, that's wild. I wonder if it's like a just a, you know, they're having fun with us by putting that out or is really an accident.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it, it makes it makes you think, or somebody really wanted that to, to be out possibility, some whistleblower. It's very possible. Uh, there was also all this stuff about Alex Jones recently, about him being sued by the Sandy Hook oh, families. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, things are getting interesting, as always. So... Chris says that uh, he's had many helicopters flying around his house in circles. Oh, so, man, they've... Yeah,
2: they're, They've they're, got they're... a picture of it in that diagram.
4: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there is a helicopter flying.
2: It says uh, individual and group remote mind control via black helicopter carrying psychotronic weapons.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. We actually, you know, in a couple of shows, I've actually got someone coming on to talk about some of this stuff. Yes. I uh, guess I'm really excited about But next week, we have Craig Ciccone coming back. Oh, nice. And we're going to talk about the RFK and the Martin Luther King assassinations and whatever other kind of – this is to be a historical one.
0: Craig, as far as anything like that happened in the 60s, he's like Mm -hmm. the guy.
4: (laughs) Yeah, he definitely knows his stuff. Living in the 60s. (laughs) That's for sure. All right, guys. Well, Rob, uh, tell everybody where they can uh, get on Patreon, especially for our what we got. Like, we've had like five or six people. All right. Well, thanks, have, thanks for showing up and
0: watching us, guys. Uh, you know, we're gonna this. we're gonna keep doing this uh, in some facet or another. But if you want to help me turn the lights back on, you can go to patreoncom slash Get some um, squirrel poison. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, uh, you can subscribe there. There's various tiers. We've got bonus episodes. So. We'll give you some bonus episodes. You give us electricity. It's kind of a give-and-take kind of thing. If you don't want to subscribe to something monthly, there's you can go to our website at conspiranormal.com, and you can do a one-time donation. It's like a PayPal kind of thing. It's just real quick, easy. And if you don't want to spend money, but you like to support the show, a real, real easy way to do that is just a five-star review on iTunes, and we really love those, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And we appreciate all you guys.
4: Yes, thank you very much. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to close out the show. And join us uh, next time on (coughs) Conspiranormal!